Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good afternoon all, we have hit Wednesday, we have hit Wednesday, um, first out we're talking to Auckland and Wellington, so I need your people to get on the phone because Andy Thompson's doing his rural roundup today, in fact the first hour, 12 to 1 the next three days because he's at an agricultural fair uh, just out of Hamilton apparently, um, so yeah, Auckland Wellington, it's just you and me for the first hour today, uh, tomorrow and the next day, so Coming up today, Peter Fulton, former Black Cap batsman, ahead of the third and final ODI between New Zealand and India. It is on today in Christchurch. Just had a text, actually, from James saying it's just started to spit 20 minutes west of Christchurch at West Melton, lads. But it does look pretty light. Christchurch folk, uh, if you're listening on the app or on the radio, keep us up to date with the weather. Do please keep texting us in double eight double three so we can be abreast of uh, any changes in your atmospheric conditions. Uh, you can be our roving weather reporters as we build up to that game at Hagley. Gosh, I hope it gets underway. It's a wonderful, wonderful venue. Um, so thank you, James, and everyone else that keep, will keep us up to date. Uh, so Peter Fulton, we're going to talk to Wayne Barton. He's a UK football author and writer. What a win by England this morning. Um, they're through the group stage at the World Cup. Uh, 3-0 this morning over Wales. And, of course, the USA had a fine win this morning as well over Iran. So through they go at one and two. And I think the USA have got the Netherlands in the next round and England have, I'm not sure. I'll figure that out. Might be Senegal, but we'll check that out for you anyway. Um, but we're going to have a, have a World Cup football chat after the 12.30 news. Casey Berrier, who's a professional footballer in her own right, former professional footballer from the USA, uh, hooping and hollering this morning when the USA got through. So we have a chat to her. Very invested in the Football World Cup. Um, we have the chase today as well. Fun times. Chase. 
Uh, we'll find out what's making news. We are going to replay you a chat that was unreal this morning. Um, usually different listener groups, but if you did hear on uh, Izzy and Kimmy for breakfast this morning, they had Sia Khaleesi on the Springboks captain, and it was in the car. It was in the on the radio in the car as I was coming to work this morning. I'm just like I could hear Sia Khaleesi talk forever. Oh, so if you missed it, we're going to play that at about three twenty for you um, again and if you did hear it I'm sure you won't mind hearing it again it's just like oh I'd like to take some pieces out of that and give it to some of our athletes here what they play for is oh was mind blowing I just absolutely loved it that's why we're going to bring it to you again Uh, Midday Madness though at least half an hour on this Um, the sporting record you are most invested in Um, Tim Southey could beat Richard Hadley he could beat Richard Hadley his records. And it was interesting. I didn't know Ricardo had talked to his panel and Sam Ackerman and Mark Watson and one saying that they wanted Southie to hang on and chase Richard Hadley's record. And I think it was Sam said, no, uh, Tim, go and do your thing. I want Richard Hadley to hold that record forever. Uh, I'm sure Richard Hadley wouldn't mind either way. They love seeing their records broken because that means they're serving New Zealand well. So what records are you really, really invested in? Ones you want to see beaten, ones you want preserved. 0800 150 811. It's Midday Madness. Give us a call. Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet. To the rockin' speed of madness. Yeah. To the course we go. Uh, first one up, uh, Life Members Aid. G'day, Zaid. Good afternoon, Steve. Hey, brother. What do you got? What records uh, are important? I just want to get on to the records. Um, there's, I think there's King in the Ring Saturday night. There's a light heavyweight. And um, there's a super fly. Um, he's always entertaining older uh, Big David Tui Tapo, about seven foot, 150 kgs. Cheapest. Yeah, he fought in the heavyweights last time, cleaned the whole eight man up. Uh, yeah. Wow. He's a beast. He's a beast. So if you if you if you don't have too much time, but you want to watch one King of the Ring, I definitely watch that one, David Tui Tapo. Nice, beautiful. That's an event for the stadium. I've just looked it up. Good stuff. Um. A record that I don't want to be broken is Daniel Carter. Ah, right. The highest scoring, highest test yeah. point scored. Geez, that's going to take some beating. Yes, I hope that doesn't. I wouldn't actually mind someone breaking Brendan McCullum's record, New Zealand. Which was which one's his? Which record's he got? The three hundred and two. Oh, scored by New Zealand. Individual scores, yeah. yeah because if if someone beats it, it's just going to be meritorious. Like Taylor's been the closest, I think. Two ninety the last closest was two ninety two, obviously. Martin Crow got ran out on two hundred uh, two hundred and ninety eight. I never watched it but heard about it. Um yeah, Tim Salvi, I wouldn't mind him re- breaking his record, I would like to do it. Um, just because it's just shows how good he is. Um he, he's definitely uh, uh, if you look at all formats right if you look at format all formats right now, you'd probably have to say he's our best ever bowler pretty much. You know, he's got a hundred, over 100 wickets in T20s, over 200 wickets in one day is now, and over three. Lost them. Lost them. Phone was a little bit dodgy to start with, but um, all right. So there's some from Zaid. We go to Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. Oh, Steffi, how are you? Good, buddy. <clears throat> um, 
Well, um, hopefully no one breaks Fozzie's terrible record. We've had enough pain, right? So <laughs> we, can, uh, we can keep that one. He can have it. Um, the one other one that <clears throat> I would like to preserve, but I don't think it's going to get broken, and this is coming from a one eye team tab, is the Crusaders' record of Super Rugby titles. Um, but I think, I think that's pretty safe. Um, I'd love to see a New Zealander win more than one major. Yeah. So come on, Ryan Fox, get a couple of majors. That would be fantastic. And I think guys like Michael Campbell and um, Sue Bob would love that as well. They would. That's a record we'd like to see broken, eh? Oh, yeah. I'd love a Kiwi to win the Masters. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to be an outlier on the Southie thing. Um, I think Paddles would love somebody to break his record. And I would love Southie to do it. I think he's been a real steward of the cricket team. Because even if he does break the record and hangs around and does it, Sir Richard Hadley's um, record is intact in the sense that he will still have by far one of the best averages yeah. the amount of tests that he played. So it, it, if Southie brings it, and he's a, I think he's a class, class bowler and will become one of our greats, um, it's also by sheer stint of the number of tests he's played. Mm. So, you know, I think... Uh, to Richard Hadley's, uh, uh, you know, recall will stand on its own just in terms of the average. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to see that broken. Yeah, that and means, I, you know, I agree. I, I think Richard Hadley would like to see it broken. And if he's got one or two wickets to go in a test match or whatever it is, Richard Hadley will be at that test match and he'll shake his hand when he breaks it. That That's what would happen. 100%. And, 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 and still, Hadley's still the greatest cricketer we've ever had. And I don't think that's going to change. Maybe Williamson if he carries on, but I still think... And um, that'll be the case. So that's me for mine. Good man. Thanks, Mikey. Cheers. Good man. Um, Tolaga Bay's own. Ed, kia ora, Ed. Tolaga Bay time, bro. Kia ora, my bro. Hey, um, I love Richard Hadley too. Mm. Um, so my sporting one is um, and the, the Scorpions, when we won the Fox Auckland Fox Championship, and our club is like 50 years, 52 years old now. And um, I don't think it's, that's going to get beaten. Yeah. It's a long record, isn't it? Well, um, we only won it in 96. Well, for us, you know, all the boys coming up, they got to do it and try and get another one for the club. But, uh, yeah, so far no one's done it. And, um, yeah, that's the record for me. But, um, hey, Staffy, guess what? I, I won a four-leg multi today. Did you? Yes. I had the Phoenix Suns last night at two bucks. Mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets at a dollar fifty. And I had the Netherlands to lead at half time and win to nil two seventy five. Mm-hmm. And the USA Pusilic scores and USA win at five bucks. Oh. I put five dollars on that and I'm at the pub now with two hundred and eleven dollars. <laughs> You're a champion. <laughs> oh boys, and the boys are looking at me all morning at work going, has that fella done any work man, he's looking at the phone all morning <laughs> I hope none of the boys are I hope my boss is not listening, I've got to get off see you later bro see you boy, here's Ed from Tolaga Bay oh, good stuff, Craig from Tauranga g'day Craig how do you follow Ed, thanks Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh I should have put someone in between sorry mate <laughs> I uh for me, records are meant to be broken, so I'm, I'm all for, for records being broken. Um, and, and the one that I desperately want broken is um, 
uh, New Zealand Test cricket, the lowest ever score of 26. I oh. really want someone to take it off. <laughs> that is a great shout. Oh, yes, it's a great shout. All right, that's it, that's it from me. Um, yeah, interested to see what everyone else comes up with. Cheers, yeah. mate. Thank you. Uh, yes, Kofi told it that 26. Actually, when we were at the um, Fitzherbert Park doing the slog sweep, um, I went down the night before. We were just having a few drinks and a bit of a catch-up, and the old deputy rector in my days at Palmy Boys was a guy by the name of Ian Cahoon, and apparently he played in that match when we had 26, when we scored 26, and he got a pair, zero and zero, in his two turns at bat. And anything to do with a 26, he, he hated the number 26. And the ironic thing is, when he sadly passed away, it was on the 26th. And they said, that is not fair. Wow. Yeah. That's, rem- that's quite remarkable. Mm. Gee, numbers are sort of weird like that, aren't they? Mm. Do you have a number? I've got a favourite number, 27, is, right. is my favourite number. What's, any reasons? It's a bit pretty lame reason, but <laughs> my very first golf club was at Buckley in Shannon because my two best mates when I was at school and I just started playing golf. And I joined Buckley. And the very first day I went down there to play in the Picard Cup, God, I remember yeah, all these the things. The illustrious Picard Cup. The Picard Cup, jeez. And I actually ended up winning it. But anyway, um, in the clubhouse, they were selling raffle tickets. My favourite food, oysters. What was first price? Two dozen oysters. And I said, I'll just take a number. And I took 27, and I won the two dozen oysters. I won the Picard Cup, and it's been my favourite number ever since. Wow. And that's quite interesting because you say that you generally are hopeless at like sweepstakes and Terrible. draws and, and prizes. And I had been for the for the first 13 years or 14 years of my life up till that stage, never won anything. And I won two dozen oysters with wow. ticket 27. Bluff oysters? Yes, that's oh, the only that's kind. That's a great one. I know. It's a great one. Uh, well, um, who did you pick in the sweepstakes? In Germany, eh? No, I've got Argentina. Oh, Argentina. Oh, you could be doing okay with that. Mm. TBC, um, and then I draw Argentina, and they lose the lose the first. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good first. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Mm. That was interesting. There's been a lot of uh, heat on me in particular about the uh, sweepstakes. I'll just say, Steph, mm. would love to see the Crusaders record broken. I'm thinking of the teams that I really don't like. Um, teams first before individuals, and uh, teams that I really don't like, and the Crusaders would be up there. So, um, why don't I'm glad, you like the I'm Crusaders? Glad, I'm glad we don't have the uh, all the Christchurch listeners. Uh, well, I tell you what, moment. Mikey called through. He's from Christchurch. He's listening on the app. Yeah, yeah on the app. The app. Why don't I like the Crusaders? Um, I just got to be careful here, don't I? Because the backlash that well, comes. I'll stick up for them. Okay. Well, you, do you you going to pre stick up for them? Or you stick up for them after I argue my case. No, you argue your case. No, I mean it's just. It's that classic, um, it's, it's, it's an arrogance, I feel, from Crusader supporters and the one-eyed, whenever, talked, whenever we talked about the All Blacks, it was always Crusaders players that had to be in over anyone else. It was like, why isn't Matt Todd? Matt Todd's the best seven in the world. He should be in there over San Kane, blah, blah, blah. And like, whether or not that argument's true, it just was always Crusaders first, Crusaders first, Crusaders first in their eyes. Um, and, you know, they always complained when they lost. It was just, and it, I, I 100%, I'm rational enough to sit back and say, I don't like them because they're good. 100%. Oh, okay. But I think that I'm okay with that, Steph. It's like Melbourne Storm. People don't like them just because the Melbourne Storm are good. There's the little cheating scandal. The top teams always get, people want to bring them down because they're at the top. Melbourne mm. Storm, New England Patriots, Tom Brady, whoever it is, if they're at the top, people want to bring them down. All Blacks. Oh, they're cheats. They're in the referee's pocket. Richie McCaw, always offside. You always want, people always want to bring down the top team. And I'm one of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you forgive yourself of your misgivings? I sort of do. Like, I understand that it's just So you're happy to be good. one of the minions that just in this, the In this regard, I sort of am, Steph. I'm okay with it. And See, the I think too, a better way, just a little bit more, like, okay. I don't dislike the Crusaders, mm-hmm. but either the Hurricanes or Manawatu and Crusaders and Canterbury, that's the team I like to beat the most. It's not bred out of hate, it's bred mm. out of respect. Yeah. Because if you topple them, you've toppled a giant. So I respect the Crusaders greatly, but they're the team I like to beat the most. And yeah. that's because they're so good. And just just quickly, we had this um, conversation, I think, last year about the, the use of the word hate in sport. And it's it's a sporting... A sporting it's hate. It's a purely rivalry hatred that I have. It's not you know nothing personal. But I think the other thing too, Steph, is my brother moved to Christchurch, and my older brother, and he's a... He's such an antagonist. He's always been an antagonist in our family. For example, we'd all go around to watch the All Blacks at someone's house. He'll go for the Wallabies. <laughs> oh, he's one just, of those. Yeah, just to be the, or you know, he'll go for the Wallabies on the. We do the score prediction. He'll go the Wallabies when everyone else goes the All Blacks. So he moved to Christchurch, and what does he do? Becomes a Crusaders, Crusaders fan, just to tick off all of us cheesy. So I think that's so a part a bloke of it for me. Formerly known as your brother, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my former brother. Um, yeah. That, I think that's where it comes from as well. Mm. So it's a little bit genuine. <clears throat> a little bit genuine. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Tom, g'day, Tom. Yeah, hi, Steffi. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Tom. There's, um, there's one record that I don't want to see touched, and I don't think it will get touched, but it's close. Um, uh, Jack Nicklaus on 18 and Tiger Woods on 15 majors. Mm. Yeah, I, I think time's run out for Tiger, and I'll put my hand up and say I thought he was going to do it. You know, six, seven years ago, I thought Tiger was on track and he was going to do it, but I can't see it now. Three more majors, I just can't see it now. His body's yeah. broken. Yeah, you got to love how the Golden Bear went about his. Oh, that 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 win at forty six years of age at Augusta in nineteen eighty six was it? Just unbelievable. Yeah, good shout, right, Tom. Thanks, good stuff, buddy. Yeah, yeah I don't, you too, mate. I don't mind Jack Nicholas holding on to that. Um, what did someone say once? It was the most beautifully. It was Frank Nobolo, I think. Said, it was he, to you. Yeah, he said it to me, and I just said I just can't get my head around this. And he said, Jack Nicholas has the greatest record of all time. Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. So is that just because Jack Nicholas played an easier period? Like, as in there wasn't as much competition? Is that what he's sort of I hinting at? Sort of. Like, you, you cannot question Jack Nicholas's record. But mm. when, when he was playing, the guy who was like 30th or 40th favourite in a tournament, they had no chance. Yeah. Tiger Woods tees it up. There's 50 guys can win every week. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the, the depth of field is so, so extreme now. Um, now, you said just... You said it's five or six years ago you thought Tiger was going to do it. I've never followed golf to the extent that I wouldn't be able to answer this question, so maybe you can work it out for me. Like, if Tiger didn't have the – and is it fair to say that the off-course off, um, off, off stuff derailed his career? Had that not have happened, do you, do you think he would have kept going? Yes. So, you, so that really was the, the, the catalyst. Yeah. Without that, he could he – because pro- at that point he was – Probably the greatest athlete on the earth. He was unbelievable. Just one for fun, right? Yeah. yeah. So he would have won. He he would he'd be on thirty. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, not thirty. Much. I think he would have got. Jack, and we'll never know. You, you can't. It's all speculation. But when that happened, and he and he had all that time off, and mentally it just would have. And a lot of people say he brought it on himself, but mentally it just would have destroyed him. Mm. And, and golf is such a mental game. 
and then his body started breaking down and I remember when I very first started watching him I thought his swing's going to have to change he put so much pressure on his on his body at 21 your body can handle it but you pay later and that's what's happening now although it's the car accident that's done him in he, yep. he literally can't walk now you he, mean the one that like two years ago or yeah, yeah. yeah and he's had 15 operations or something it's just ridiculous anyway give us a yell what records are sacrosanct what ones do you want to get beat what ones are valuable when you don't want to get beat? Chuck me your American records, your world records, your team records, whatever you like. 0800 150 Welcome back in. Uh, before the news, we'll get to Graham, but first of all, it is Joe from Gizzy. G'day, Joe. G'day, Steph. A couple of records for you, mate. 232 oysters that I ate in a uh, charity oyster eating competition. <laughs> well, I'm not going to break that again, buddy, but uh, I'd give it a nudge. The best $100 I ever spent. Fantastic. uh, Cal Ripken, 2,632 consecutive games. Mm. Uh, In baseball, you know, I mean, that's just, that's a man going to work for like, you know, 13 years in a row and never missing a day. Right? Unreal. Yeah. Absolutely. Mate, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, hardcore. Brett Favre, 297 consecutive games played at quarterback. Unbeaten record, even by even by the cheetah Brady. I mean Brady, you know the goat. So, so but for me, one one of the best records is uh, is Bob Beeman. You know when he jumped eight point nine meters, yep. right? Which is just beat Jesse beat, beat Jesse Owens' record. But they reckon it's the perfect jump and is replayed at every Olympics and uh, every athletics meet. But those records there, where guys were didn't have the technology. But had uh, the perfect well, Bob Beeman had the perfect form, you know. Favre had plenty of heart, and Ripken had probably more heart than anybody to go to work for that many days in a row. So, but some great records, mate. Some great records. They sure and, are. Uh, yeah. And I, I, don't th- I think those ones are lodged in history. You know, like uh, like everybody wants to be a record holder, but I can't see anyone beating those ones, buddy. No, great shout. Thanks, Joe. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Last one before the news, Graham. Marlborough, Northland, the whole shebang. G'day, bud. Hey, bro. I wasn't going to ring up, but after what Sam said about the Crusaders, I thought I'd better bloody ring up and put them right. But quickly, I hope that... um, I hope Sir Richard's record isn't broken, just Mm. for sentimental reasons. Yep. I I do hope Tim sticks around and does it. He's a... As Simon Dool said last week, if he goes, we could be in a lot of trouble. But I just I hope the Crusaders keep on keeping on. I think, you know, I'm from the far north. I should be supporting the Blues. I can't stand the Blues. Um, I hope they just keep doing what they're doing, and, and I hope the Blues carry on with their record. You know, I think this year it'll be the 20th year they haven't won a title. Um, this coming year, the 20 the 23 season. I think the last time they won was in 2203. I hope they carry on with that and, and, and it just can, keeps continuing. We can have a 21st birthday for them, you know? <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll deserve it. And, um, and, if, Ken, and if Ken and Zaid want to invite me up, I'll come up and we'll celebrate together on another Crusaders win. So that, that's what I hope carries on. And with, uh, with Leon as the coach, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Oh, that is one of your best <laughs> so, yeah, calls ever, Graham. Day, everybody. Fantastic, up mate. North, up the Northland and up the Crusaders. There we are. Oh, I love it, Graham. Absolutely love it. Um, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Cliff on the other side of the news, sport and weather. Johnny Max back. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat 
of Madness. Let's go to Cliff in Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Hello. Hello, Cliff. Are you there? I'm here. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello, Cliff. Hello. How are you, Sammy? Good, buddy. Hey, that's good. Hey, uh, a guy who lost a record was, to me, was a sad thing, was uh, Shane Warne. Mm. He had about 740 test wickets, and then he got passed by Murali Duran, who, oh, look, I didn't mind Murali either, but I always thought that Shane Warne was something really special, and, you know, he got wickets everywhere, and he got great wickets. Um Murley always had that problem where they called him as a no-baller and he was bending his arm or straightening it. And, uh, yeah, Shane Warren, who was a guy that could have gone a long way, he always wanted a captain Australia, but he never got the chance. And I think he would have made a better captain than a lot of the guys they had who didn't, who floundered a bit with it. But uh, and, and with regards to Richard Hadley, I, I rate him too. I, I don't... Look, Saudi's a good bowler. I think at the stage when... Um, Hesson was still coaching. He was just about dropping out of favour a bit, but mm. he hung in there and he's he's got, you know, 340 wickets or something. Not as good average anyway as, as, as Hadley's, but he's played a couple more tests already. So yeah, I think he needs about 80 more to catch Hadley, which, I mean, he's got to play a lot of test matches to get that. If he averages three and a half, say four a test match, he's got to play at least another 20. Mm. So... You know, I just can't see him doing it. You know, I don't think he's got 20 more test matches because we don't play enough of them anyway, really. So Yeah, it's probably going but, to be... It's, know, it's probably four or five years, isn't it? Well, yeah, for all we play, we might play six or seven test matches a year. You know, we don't play enough series. And, um, yeah, well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many more he does. I think a lot of them are... Hope, to be picked up in all these different 2020 leagues, you know. Mm. For a while there, some of them were playing in India and then some of them weren't. Some of them weren't getting picked, but then they start a new one up, like in, uh, like they have been in West Indies and now another one in Australia. So they're hoping to make money by not staying as a contracted player. Mm. Uh, you know, there's, there's good money to be made. But it's a shame, you know, hopefully Bolt will always open our bowling for a little while yet, in the test matches at least. Um, we'll see what happens. He's got to hope. He's hoping anyway. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Cliff. Good call. Good call, buddy. Thank you. Yep, cheers. Cheers, mate. Cliff out of Dunedin there. Uh, text came in here, and I hadn't even thought of this one, but probably resonates with all of us. Actually, the record I want to see beaten every year by extending it is the All Blacks unbeaten streak at Eden Park. I don't ever want to see that streak end, mostly because I'm 37 next week and I honestly can't remember the last loss. So in my mind, we just don't lose there. A loss at Eden Park could, and probably would, signal that we are no longer a dominant force in world rugby, even though we are already possibly there. Um, Staffy, I want to see Victor Wembanyama, Victor Wembanyama break Wilk Chamberlain's record of 100 points in an NBA game. That record being broken in today's era, social media era, would be mind-blowing. 
I don't want anyone to break uh, Michael Jordan's playoff record 63-point game or John Stockton's combined career stats and assist record. No one is ever going to come close to Bill Russell's 11 championships in 13 seasons. Will Chamberlain's record off the court will never be broken either, will it? Surely. Holy heck. Not in this day. Uh, Rafa holding the most grand slams. I don't want Novak to get the record. He has been a spoiled brat in his early career making many excuses when losing. Not like Rafa and Roger, who have been role models and will always be remembered. A lot more text to get through. And we're going to talk some football before the top of the hour. We'll take a break. Some ripper records you don't want to see broken. And a couple of mine as well right after the break. To your text messages, uh, imagine what Roger would have ended up on if Novak and Rafa were not around. A record that would have never been broken. There is the argument that Rafa and Novak made Roger fight hard and as good as he is. And without those two there, yeah, probably more titles. But uh, with those two, um, interesting. I think that all three have lifted each other's games, haven't they? Um, But good point, good point. Uh, Phil Taylor's 16 World Championship victories in the Darts World Championships will never be bettered. Paul Christchurch. I can't see it being bettered either. That's a fantastic record. It is Hadley for me. I remember when Vittori was threatening it and I was calculating his wickets he'd need to get to beat it based on tests available. Anyway, he was well short as it turned out. If someone were to beat Hadley, I would want it to be someone of the same calibre. Southie's great, but not in the same master class. Great points coming in. Um, Mark says, I respect the Crusaders, but their fans ruin it for the organisation. Uh, Sammy, you crack me up, but I love your passion. Mikey G, Christchurch. <laughs> um, Zade would like to see the Crusaders record broken. Here we go. Uh, just because Mike said he wanted the Crusaders record preserved, I'm going to see. I'm going to see that I'd love to see the Hurricanes break that record. And for the records, I'd like to see preserved the amount of white ball finals we've lost in the last five years. I wouldn't want to see us break that record again. Cheers, Matt from Blenheim. Good text. Uh, Will Chamberlain's 100. Someone else has gone for. Ken Irvine's try-scoring record in the NRL, 212, I think. Alex Johnson from the Rabbitohs is on track to take that. Sam says, nah, mate, he won't get that high. He won't get that high, uh, according to uh, the voice of NRL. Uh, Zaid. Uh, I think I lost reception before. I also wouldn't mind seeing Usain Bolt's 100-metre record getting broken. I'm the same, mate. Might be for different reasons, but I am the same. Um, and Zaid also, message for uh, Northland Graham. I thought you support Northland Graham. You should support the Blues. Tell you what, mate, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, hey, Steph, JB from Christchurch here. Weather is sweet now in town, but the southerly is due right at the start time. I reckon we might get two hours in if we're lucky. Oh, oh! Couple of the records I, I've jotted down. I'd like to see Manawatu never go winless again, like they did last season or this season. Um, I've mentioned the All Blacks, World Cups. I don't want South Africa to win next year because they would have won more World Cups than us. I really want to see a Grand Slam in golf majors, and I really want to see a Grand Slam calendar in tennis, and probably one I want to see most in the next twelve months. A little bit biased. I'd love to see Zoe Hobbs go under 11 seconds. Um, she's knocked 0.2 off her best time in the last 12 months. She's at 11.08. Um, first New Zealander, well, she's got the New Zealand Australasian record now. I'd love to see Zoe Hobbs this summer 
go under 11. That would be absolutely brilliant. We go to Darren in Melbourne. G'day, Darren. Hey, Staffy. How are you? Good. Thanks, Darren. I missed your first half of your madness because I was uh, working. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm transiting. But um, obviously, McCaw would have to come up for a lot of things. But for me, it's um, that Conrad Smith, Martinano midfield. Mm. I don't think we're ever going to see a a midfield play together so much, especially under the current regime, that I can get 10 caps between each other, let alone... 60 to 70 odd. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the, but, um, the rotation, in the, particularly in the 12 jersey, I don't, at the moment, another regime might might stick like glue to a combination that we haven't seen yet. I don't know. But yeah, I, don't, <clears throat> I can't see the likes of uh, the number of times they played together. Was it about 70 odd or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Lonnie's got 100 caps, and I think Conrad was at the 80s. So yeah. It's it's a it's a big number, and I don't think we'll ever see something like that mm. for for, the, for a long time. Just on the, just on the flip side of the coin, I don't think we'll ever see a captain annoy a ref more than Stephen Moore from Australia. <laughs> I reckon I reckon that's definitely. I've never seen a captain upset a ref more in my my life. <laughs> so, I'm the so same. Just, just sort of give you. Just going to give you something else. Yeah. Well, maybe the Aussies would probably say Sean Fitzpatrick as well was probably of similar ilk. Oh, I don't think he upset him, but Stephen Moore, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. He could say anything to the ref, and the ref would just take it the wrong way. It was just uncanny. He sort of had a superpower of being able to upset them no matter what. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. Yeah, Stephen Moore, great man, though, but geez, he was niggly with refs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very. So, Good stuff, Darren. Thanks, mate. Good che- show, as che- usual. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Darren, out of Melbourne, great listener. Kiwi over in Aussie. Uh, we go to Joey in Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Staff. I'm with you, mate. I just, don't, you know, I'm an Aucklander, but I just don't want to see one or two have uh, another season with no wins. Or, or any side, mate, you know. Uh, you just want to see them do better um, and improve. Uh, it's like anything, mate, you... Yeah, it's pretty tough on on everybody when when that happens, um, especially yourself, you know, mate, from the mighty Manawatu. too. And um, and you know, I, yeah, I just like to see them. I, I was just saying yesterday, get someone like Wayne Smith in there, mate. Imagine Wayne Smith there helping them coach, mate. Oh, was that you that had? I I heard that call into the station yesterday yeah. about mentoring and going spinning. I loved that idea. Yeah, mate. Well, you know, you, you imagine you imagine having if he doesn't, don't let him go to. Don't let them go out of New Zealand. No mm. way. Doesn't matter how much money, just chuck the money at them. Well, mm. You know, give them third party money, whatever. You just don't let a guy like that go out of New Zealand, especially after what he did with the ladies. Mm. You know, and, and you imagine him, him mentoring the money or two and, 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 you know, like East Coast and that, you know, East Coast struggled for a long time and, and Rico, get, uh, Jose Gear and them have got them going well, you know. You want to keep that momentum going, mate. Bang you know? on. Bang on. And the three things that Smithy's got is he loves the country, he loves rugby, and he loves a challenge. Well, there it is. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, too, too Steph, I forgot to mention um, the mighty um, uh, Barry Thomas uh, as a prop in the 60s. He was the first man to take Manukau to a um, Gallagher Shield. He captained them, and he played prop for New Zealand, and he was a pretty tough prop, prop too, old Barry. Yeah, mm. He was a good, very good footballer. You know, I know, a lot of people you know, don't know that well, would know the name Thomas, but um, he was very, very good as well. Nice. But yeah, there you go, mate. Go the mighty Manawatu. Up that Manawatu. They're my second team, mate. Good boy. They're Thanks, Joe. 
Thank you, buddy. Thank you. One more for the break. We go to Graham. G'day, Graham. Afternoon, Steffi. How are you? Very well, sir. Um, a little bit surprised about people not wanting Southie to um, to break Headley's test, number test wicket. Um, I'll read out some names to you here. Ponting Order, Ponting Border, War, Steve War, Clark, Hayden, Smith, Mark War, Warner, Langer, Taylor, Boone, Street Chapel. Do you know who they are? Yes, I know all of them. They are the 12 highest test run scores for Australia. And my question would be, who is Australia's greatest ever test batsman? Mm. <sighs> who do you pick? Jeepers. Liston Bradman. Yes, and he's not there. And he's 13th on the list. <laughs> so that just kind of proves that people play more test cricket these days. So if Hadley's record for number of test wickets was to be overtaken, that doesn't mean that he's no longer our greatest ever bowler. Because he, you know, chances are he, he always will be. Yeah. He just won't be our greatest right. ever wicket taker, but he's still our greatest right. bowler. Yeah. And, you know, as I say, there are 12 batsmen ahead of Don Bradman. Really good point. 12, 12 Australians, I should say, ahead of Don Bradman. Mm. So there you go. Perfect. That's why you're the sports freak. Thank you very much, Matt. Cheers, Cheers, buddy. There's Graham, the sports freak. Uh, Great call, great call. Heap of text message coming. Ma Nonu and Conrad Smith played 62 times together. Wow, amazing. Hi, guys. I reckon I'd love to see Broken as Lewis Hamilton's. It'd be great to have a decent bloke also be a great. (laughs) Not bad, not bad. Um, Someone's mentioned Peter Snell's. Record here, uh, 144.3 in 1962 on the grass at Lancaster Park. A truly magnificent record. I was there as a seven-year-old, and the record stands to this day. We'll take a break, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to share some of those old track and field records in New Zealand. It's quite, quite staggering. Back after a break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Thank you for your calls in that first hour. Remember that we have the Able Living Caller of the Month. The best caller of the month is going to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. A couple of calls in that first hour will qualify to be shortlisted. New Zealand Athletics Records. I'm, I'm just going through and had a look at some of the old ones. 1980, the women's 400 metres record was set. 42 years ago, Kim Robertson, 51.6, 1980. Uh, 1987, The Mile, Christy Fitzinger, remember her. She set that in Oregon. 1986, the 2,000 metres, and here. Um, we some of the older ones. 2009, the 100 metre hurdles, uh, Andrea Miller. Uh, 1991, the high jump record, Tanya Murray, set in Dunedin. A jump of 1.92. Um, we some other older ones, older ones, older ones. 1992, the heptathlon, Joanne Henry. This is like 20, that's 30 years ago. Um, women's, 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 women's. It's probably the older one, 1988. Oh, that's the Ekidin Road Relay, which I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, but there's some rippers of old ones in the in the men's. Um 1962, Peter Snell in Christchurch that one of our listeners went to. 144.3 in the 800 metres. 1962. Goodness me. Uh, 1976, John Walker, 2,000 metres. 
Um, I think John Walker still holds the mile record too. Yes, he does. From 1982, set in Oslo. The mile record, 349.08. John Walker. It's been held since 1982. 1963, the one hour. Bill Bailey, one of the greats. He ran 20,190 metres in an hour. 1963 record. 1984, the 3,000 steeplechase. Peter Renner. Some old records here, folks, that could uh, still go. Bob Thomas. The New Zealand long jump record was set in 1968 in Whangarei, Bob Thomas of Northland. 1968. Oh, 1987, Simon Pullman, decathlon. Oh, wrap your teddy around that. Um, the 4x100 relay, 2005. 1993, the 4x400 relay. 1971, the 4x800 metre relay. Set in Stuttgart, Germany. Germany. 4x1500 metre relay. Melville, Dixon, Quacks, Walker. Happy days. News time. Just had a text in saying range turned up in Christchurch from John. Oh dear. And someone else says, hey Staffy, not looking good for the cricket. Just driven from Rangitata to Timaru, drive into rain at Temuka. Now back at Rangitata and it's raining steadily out of the southeast. <clears throat> that doesn't sound good, does it? That doesn't sound good. Uh, some more texts that are coming. Uh, afternoon, fellas. Little thought on the England football team. Foden and Trent Alexander-Arnold are generational talents and have been given minimal time to perform. The, the stick Trent has got for not defending is flawed. The game has changed and fullbacks have to get up the pitch. He can unlock any defence with his quality. Cheers, Alex from Howick. Uh, we're going to talk some uh, World Cup football very shortly. We're just going to get Casey to bring her into the studio. Staffy, record, I want to stay, and it will, Ramfurly Shield. 61 consecutive defences from Auckland saw them all. Get you up to the final, Graham, next year. Cheers from Ken. <laughs> Cheers from Ken. Uh, surely, Staffy, Lance Armstrong, seven consecutive Tour de France's will never get beaten. I can't see it either. Although, no one... Pre-Lance Armstrong thought anyone would go seven in a row. I mean, when Miguel Indurain came along, I thought, hello. But no, I thought, what did he get, two? Um, Michael Phelps, 14 Olympic golds, would take at least three games appearances to even challenge it. That's Graham from the wider Rapper. Great man, Graham. Good idea. Good stuff. Um, staff, in answer to Zaid, this is from Graham of Marlborough, formerly of Northern. You're listening, Zaid? This is from Graham to you. I'm old enough to remember the start of Super Rugby when Northland, North Harbour and Counties were treated poorly by the Blues franchise. So when the Crusaders beat the Blues in 98 against the Blues team stacked with All Blacks, that was the team for me. And yes, I'm a passionate Tanifa supporter, which is a region and where I'm from. The Blues are a franchise. Keep supporting the Blues, Zayden Ken. They need your passion. Cheers, Graham. (laughs) Wasn't it? Uh, North Harbour were originally the Chiefs, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Um, and Counties had a stint as Chiefs as well. I think that was because of the power of Auckland. Um, 
from Craig. Top five ideas. Oh, he sent through some um, top five ideas for our our draft, Sammy. So uh, I'll get Sammy or Captain K to note those ones down, Craig. Let's have a look. I don't mind that. Except your last one. I don't know any Bible passages. <laughs> if anyone's got an idea, we have a draft day Tuesday and we we do, me, Sam and Captain K do a top five, our top five, and we have a turn at each, but like a basketball draft with um, top small towns in New Zealand. And we did the top Ryans uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, in, in uh, recognition of Ryan Giggs' birthday. Interesting, we had um, Sports Freak Graham Beasley rung up before talking about um, he read out the top 12 run scorers in Australian cricket history and uh, Bradman's not there but he's still considered as the greatest ever Australian cricket really good point well made um, on this day which is coming up later in the show in 1928 Bradman made his test debut planets are aligning planets are aligning um, these New Zealand records from the track and field I've just been looking at them just during the news there's some you know, you, you th- 400 metres for the men. Sean Farrell set the record. He's from Canterbury. He set the record in Wanganui of 46.09. In March 1998, 24 years, 24 and a half years ago, you'd think that that could have been beaten. Uh, the remarkable one, but these are these are lifetime athletes. Peter Snell, John Walker, 800 in the 1,000. Um, Nick Willis holds, holds the 1,500 metre record set in Monaco. John Walker still holds the mile record. Oslo, Norway, 1982. 1982. Um, John Walker also hits the 2,000. Nick Willis, the 3,000. Adrian Blinko, 5,000. Uh, Jake Robertson holds the 10,000 metres and the 10K. I don't know how that's different. And Zane Robinson. In fact, they've got exactly the same times. How about that? Are they twins? I think they're twins. Jake and Zane have both run 27-28 for the 10K. One did it in New Orleans, uh, sorry, New Orleans, and the other one did it in Berlin, Germany. New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, Zane holds the half marathon and the marathon record for New Zealand, set in Kagawa, Japan, and Southport, Australia. Um, <clears throat> clearing the throat, getting ready to talk to us. Oh, here we go. Can I get a USA? Can I get a USA? USA! 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 Oh, Casey Berry joins us. Um, just resplendent in your USA football attire, Casey. A lot of talk here has been about the England result 3-0, but uh, just as creditworthy, the USA for a long time, not known as a powerhouse of football around the world. I'm going historically a long, long way back. You're known for baseball, basketball, hockey, football, football. Uh, Gridiron football, American football. Just yeah, out of respect, Steph, maybe just for the next 10 minutes, we, we soccer. And men's. And men's, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Clarify yeah. with the US men's team US versus MNT. the women because it's a different conversation. Yeah, so soccer, which I'm much <laughs> more comfortable saying. So soccer in, in, in the US, and, and you've lived and breathed it your whole life. What did, what did this morning's result to mean to you being an American national away from America, away from Qatar, you're, you're down here in New Zealand, but the smile hasn't left your face today. <laughs> <laughs> Neither has the heart rate. It hasn't come down either. Um, no, it's awesome. I think I was standing in my living room for a good 30 minutes for the, the final duration of that game, just pacing around, jumping around by myself. Um, lots of texts coming through from my mom and just friends back home who come out of the woodwork during this time of year, um, or this time of year when the World Cup's on, because um, I know I'm such a 
fanatic. But no, it was it was great to get the win to get through. You never know what the U.S. men's team is gonna do. Um, they're full of surprises. Uh, yeah, holding your breath to the very end because you saw what happened against the against the Welsh and yeah, historically. Things come down to the wire with the men's team. Generalised statement is Americans love sport. Now, not every single one, but Americans love sport. And um, uh, with all due respect, bandwagon jumpers, so the US men's team are at the World Cup. America will be right behind them. But what's the expectation in the US for this men's team at the World Cup? Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of competition uh, when it comes to sports in the US, and people do seem to yeah, just appear uh, to become soccer fans when the World Cup comes around. But look, anytime the U.S. steps on the field, we believe we can beat anybody. It doesn't matter who we're playing, whether it's Brazil or France. Um, but that's an American thing, not a soccer is. thing, eh? No, it definitely is. Uh, it's just a mindset. And it, I mean, it's great. It, it gives you a chance. You know, when you believe that you can win, um, you just kind of have a leg up on everybody. But expectation, I think it would have been a disappointment if we wouldn't have gotten out of the group, for sure. Um we now play the Dutch in the round of 16, which I don't think is a terrible matchup for us. Um, if we were to advance into the quarterfinals, I think it would be looked at as a, a successful World Cup for the U.S., but uh, still a lot of work to be done. I think it will be disappointing if we lose, um, even though yeah, getting the win today was massive. The draw against England was huge as well. I think you can see that the men's side is going in the right direction. Um, it's a young, young squad, so a lot of... People are looking to 2026, where we are hosting with Canada and Mexico, um, and these guys will be, you know, four years older, a bit more experienced. But um, yeah, it's the most fun I've had watching the men's team in a really long time, I'd say, <laughs> if not ever. So yeah, yeah. Sammy's already put in his application for leave for the World Cup in, in the US. He would probably be asking for addresses of your aunties and uncles because um, you know he's uh, he likes to do things on a budget. Um, where's your squad come from? Like, where do they pull these players in from? Yeah, it's um, this team is different than most uh, in the past because you don't have a lot of these MLS players, which is our league in the U.S. They're all playing over in Europe now, which I think you can see not to knock the MLS because it's come a long way and it still is. But, you know, you have players playing for Leeds and Juventus um, and Dortmund and clubs like that who, you know, they're competing with the best in the world, Fulham, with two of our starters play for Fulham. So they're in the middle of the table of the EPL. So you have guys who are up there playing against the best of the best in the world consistently. And I think you can see the results on the field are, are um, resemblant of, of that. And the thing is, I would imagine <clears throat> with the Americans, like you're very nationalistic, you're very patriotic. And these guys have been far flung all around the world, probably 11 months of the year. And they all congregate to go and play a World Cup. The feeling with those guys to be around their countrymen, which doesn't happen often, and the mindset that Americans have around sport, it'll be, we're going we're gonna to shock the world. And, I, you know, I'm a bit jealous of that, that um, because sometimes, you know, we see the New Zealand team go on the field against Australia in cricket and we go, we can't beat these guys, <laughs> you know. And is that a mindset that Americans are born with? Oh, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know where it comes from. Um, like even when I played in Finland and the club team that I was playing for there and we were playing one of the top women's teams and you could felt, feel that my teammates didn't actually believe that we could win, whereas like myself and our <laughs> other, other American were like, come on. I mean, there's a reason why you play the game, right? Anything can happen. If you just go by what should happen on paper, then I don't know why anybody would ever take the field. But um, I mean, I think the same is with the men's mindset in the World Cup now. Like 
we do have the talent that we could compete with anybody. And on every, any given day, you could get a result. I mean, you've seen Japan beat Germany. You saw Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, results that nobody ever would have imagined um, we'd see. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that's why you play the game. And I think the mindset the U.S. have, it's I, I don't know where it comes from, but it is it is something that is just ingrained in us. And, you know, we expect to be the best in things. So whether we are or not, like we still believe that we should be. So maybe that's part of it. But yeah. <laughs> Have you did look look beyond the Netherlands? Nah. <laughs> well, one match at a time, Steffi. I mean, we, we couldn't even look past Iran today. So um, no, one minute, one game at a time. Um, but I'm not actually sure... I haven't even looked to see who we'd who we'd meet next. Are you looking right now? I'm hurriedly <laughs> trying to find the map, but I can't actually. I can't find it. Casey's actually being very humble here, um, staff. I'm surprised he hasn't brought it up because um, the USA's star centre back Tim Ream, um, Casey actually trained him. No, she I didn't train him. She trained him. him. She <laughs> made, he wouldn't be there. Are, he wouldn't be there. Lies. These are lies. I did not train Tim Ream. I trained with him. I actually played wow. club soccer with his wife growing up, and then Tim would hop in to a few of our um, training sessions in the summer if he wasn't off busy doing something else. So, and yeah, you yeah, but like, he was, hey, 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 Tim, 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 <laughs> you've got to be ticking right, not left. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, looking, yeah you're with, he's looking up to you. Yeah, you know, so. but that itself is a pretty cool story. I, I imagine most people in New Zealand don't know the story of Tim Ream, but he, he plays um, for Fulham. He captains them. He's been with them for, I think, about 10 years, 35 years old, uh, his first World Cup appearance. Um, he was kind of a late addition into the U.S. men's squad, and he's played every minute of every game, and we haven't given up a goal in, um, like, regular play. It's only been on a penalty, so pretty impressive story. So it's um, And he's from my hometown, obviously, and we've got two St. Louis kids on the, the men's team. So, yeah, it's been fun to watch. 35-year-old kid playing at the World Cup. How about that? How about that? It's never that? too late. Never too late to be a kid. You can be <laughs> 35 and still a kid. That I'll be is inspiring. I, I, I'm going to target USA playing staff, not mm. not supporting. I'll, I'll go over there as a player <laughs> if I can. <laughs> I get honorary citizenship. I got my USA uh, hockey top today. Yeah. So, you know, well, I just need to be signed it's off. It's the country of dreams, you know. Mm. Dreams come true. Mm. Casey, nothing brings me more delight than seeing sports fans uh, enjoying their national team's victory. So enjoy today. Uh, hopefully you can enjoy the Netherlands and get that win for the US and if they keep winning we'll keep dragging you into the studio yeah absolutely look forward to it go cool. USA go the USA <laughs> Case very national uh, correspondent for the USA it means national team for the entirety of this World Cup all the way to the final he's hoping uh, we will take a quick break on the other side we're going to catch up with Peter Fulton former Black Caps batsman ahead of hopefully a game of cricket today Pretty important match down at Hagley Oval today with the Black Caps hosting once again the Indians. Weather's been playing a muck with this tour. Hopefully it'll stay away. There are showers forecast, but if we get a game's play, a day's play, I'm uh, hoping we get a little bit of insight of what's been going on from two metre Peter. Pete Fulton, former Black Cap, joins us. G'day, Pete. G'day. Must have been pretty heartened like all of us uh, with uh, Tom Latham and Kane Williamson's partnership last time they were together. 221 run partnership and an unbelievable innings by Tom Latham. That, they've righted the ship. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was extremely impressive to watch. Uh, you know, a big chase, even though the boundaries at Eden Park, um, you know, are pretty batsman friendly. Um, Any time you're chasing over 300, it's, it's never going to be an easy chase. And yeah, they, they made it look easy in the end. 
for me, watching Tom Latham there, it's a pretty good advertisement that domestic cricket um, is still a good preparation ground for internationals because he looked so good. I mean, he's a classy player and he's got plenty of experience, but um, hadn't played for the Black Caps for a while. Really impressed with his innings. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. I was talking to someone the other day about that. Um, you know, he's had four first-class games for Canterbury and he's had one full trophy game. And, and like I said, he's come straight back into international cricket against a, you know, against a really strong team and, and yeah, hasn't, hasn't missed a beat. So, yep, that's a great advertisement for domestic cricket and, you know, probably a, you know, good, a good, um, a good message, if you like, for, you know, for young guys on the domestic circuit that, you know, if you can, if you can work hard and, and improve, then like I said, you can have success at the international level too. <laughs> When I look at games of cricket, I always take about five factors. There's uh, Team A, Team B, there's the umpiring, there's the weather, and there's the ground. And Hagley Oval is a happy hunting ground for New Zealand. They've won 10 of their last 11 matches at Hagley. What's the idiosyncrasies around the pitch, the venue, the setting that agrees with New Zealand cricketers down at Hagley? Oh, look, I think it's a a pretty good wicket. Um, Pace and bounce for... You know, for the bowlers, if you if you're good enough to exploit it, um, you know, and you get you get value for shots, fast outfield. Um, you know, the boundaries are pretty big, and I think you know New Zealand teams, um, you know, they, they know the conditions and they know how to they know how to bowl on that on that wicket. So, um, yeah, like I said, I think you would expect if if New Zealand play well, I would I would, I would think that you know, Hagley will playing on Hagley will um, you know it'll it'll suit them well, and, and hopefully they'll be too good for India. We've got a pretty good uh, complement of medium to fast bowlers. Um, do, do you foresee that you've just mentioned pace and bounce and I wanted to bring that up, but you, you suit me. But I did know that before you said it. Uh, could you foresee a time no spinners at Hagley for a New Zealand team? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think in, in test cricket, obviously that's the way it's, that's the way it's sort of um, it's been in recent times. But I think in white ball cricket, there's always going to be a role for the spinners there, especially with the nature of the you know the size of the boundaries um, that that plays into the spinners' hands, and and you know there's also also bounce. So yeah, I think it's just a it's a it's a cricket wicket where if you bat well, you can score runs, and if you're a you know if you're a good bowler, then you will have success regardless of whether you bowl pace or spin. I see. Um, Adam Milne was stood down for the last match, but the expectation he will play he will play in this match. We and. Uh, we're pretty blessed in our pace bowling. Um, I'm just wondering about the the management of it. It must be it must be tricky. Um, you know, like new ball, first change, second change, death, all of that. But we haven't really got weaknesses in our pace attack, have we? No, no, we haven't. There's, there's a lot of depth. Um, you know, even with someone like Trent Bolt now, sort of, um, I guess potentially not not playing much anymore. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of depth. Uh, a lot of competition for places. Uh, you know, when you think that you know Kyle Jameson's you know out injured at the moment, he's still got to come back. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of competition, and um, I guess it's a little bit of that. I guess that you know sometimes dreaded word about rotation, probably, and just trying to make sure that you know you can um, keep everyone fit and you know available for selection. It's been a lot of talk about Kane Williamson in the T Twenty um, environment. A really valuable. Uh, innings for him last up 94 96 whatever he got um, he'll be pretty happy that, that that happened in the format it's still white ball without the crash and dash of T20 but he's still a, a fine one day batsman oh yeah no look, I, mean, I think he's 
he's a fine batsman, full stop. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of a lot of talk about the T20 format. Um, you know, what's his best position? You know, where should he bat? How should he bat? But yeah, he's, he's a he's a obviously world class player, and um, you know, one one day cricket, Test cricket, suits him suits him down to the ground, and like I said, it's probably was only going to be a matter of time before he before he came good and got a big score. We've had a few listeners, and myself included, sort of question. We don't utilise a floating batting lineup very often. We used to back in the day, and sometimes you'd even see Lance Cairns coming at three if if the time was right. Do you feel like we're being um, flexible enough to maybe send someone in who's who's slated to be six or seven, chuck them in at four because the conditions suit, or are, are we just sort of entrenched and just stick to our batting order? Oh, I think there's probably sort of, I guess, a case for, for both ways. I mean, you know, most most batters like, I guess, those, that sort of routine and that consistency of knowing knowing where they're going to bat. Um, you know, you also hear the argument quite often that, you know, you just want to have your, your best batsman face the most balls. So, um, yeah, I think I think especially in, you know, in, in places where the wickets have got pace and bounce, sometimes it can actually be quite hard for a guy who's used to batting, you know, lower down the order to come out and, you know, try and play some shots against the new ball and, um, you know, with, with that extra pace and bounce. So, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing it um, in New Zealand anytime soon, um, but it may be something that they look at, for, for example, a World Cup in India when the wickets are a bit flatter and slower. And finally, we're talking to Peter Fulton, uh, the, the most talked about cricketer in the last seven days is a guy that's not playing, and that's Martin Guptill, who's heading over to the Big Bash. You've played with him. You know him really well. Um from what I see, a very determined man who will not give up the dream of playing in next year's World Cup. What are you expecting his response on the field to be? Oh, look, I mean, I think I think it's first and foremost. I mean, I guess it's just part of professional sport is that you get you get older and you get closer to the closer to the end of your career than the start of it. And um, you know, there's there's a, I guess always a risk that you're going to be left out or someone's going to come along that. You know, younger and better, and maybe takes his spot. So, look, I don't think there's no doubt what you know Martin Guptill's done for New Zealand over a long period of time. He's been, you know, one of our probably one of our best white ball players ever. So, um, yeah, I guess like I said, it's part and parcel of, of the sport. Um, and obviously, by you know, I guess opting out of his black catch contract and trying to play in some T20 leagues around the world, he's he's not made himself unavailable. But I would imagine it'll be probably reasonably difficult for him to get back in the team because. Um, yeah, they'll they'll probably look to try and give those other guys like Phil Allen an opportunity. So yeah, hopefully it's not the hopefully it's not the last last time we've seen him for New Zealand. I think he's I think he's played 199 ODIs for New Zealand or 198 or something. So um, yeah, like I said, hopefully not the last we've seen of him. But if it is, it's um, yeah, he's been an amazing player for a long time. Can can you see that? policy changing or easing a little bit over the the coming seasons and I've been saying for a couple of years I think Colin Munro is one of our best uh, openers in white ball cricket and T20s in particular he's just dominating leagues in the Caribbean and the Big Bash and he's just on a tear but he's never in the conversation uh, can you see a time that those sorts of guys could make their way back and not those not Martin and Colin Munro in particular but but the scenarios that they are playing in can you see a time that New Zealand will say he's too, too good to leave out? We want him back in. Um, well, I guess it depends on I guess the landscape and what happens. I mean, it's three or four players now in the last few months that have that have I guess opted out or declined a you know a, a New Zealand contract. Um, so if that if that trend keeps you know continues, then 
I guess New Zealand cricket, you know, may not have much choice, but um, yeah, I guess it's a it's a double edged sword, isn't it? It's a, bit, it's a slippery slope if you if you say we're gonna we're gonna just keep picking guys regardless of whether they accept the contract or not, then you may well find that no one accepts the contract. So um, yeah, I, like I said, tricky, tricky, tricky situation, and um, yeah, I'm not sure sort of anyone really knows how it's going to end up looking like. Yeah, it is a tricky one, isn't it? And just um, domestically, uh, I know you're in um, Whangarei at the moment. You're never too far away from cricket. What are you up to at the moment? Uh, I've got four trophy, <coughs> four trophy up in Whangarei. So, um, yeah, it's good to, good to be back into the, the white ball format at domestic level. And, you know, I think in the next sort of two or three weeks, there's going to be some really good cricket on around the country with, you know, most of the most of the black caps will be available at some stage before they go to Pakistan. So, yeah, well, it's had a great opportunity for some people to get out and, and, you know, see some of New Zealand's best players in action. Absolutely brilliant. Hey, Pete, thanks heaps for talking to us on Match Day. Really appreciate your time. Not a problem. Thank you. And the SENZ app. Just before we get to Pumawadi, just uh, I love my rain radars. Just looking at the rain radar over Christchurch and people saying it's just started raining. The rain radar agrees. Um, sorry, little sneeze. It's very cold in here and it's very hot in the producer's booth. Uh, the rain's just hit. By my calculations, I think it's going to rain for about half an hour. And there's nothing behind it unless the stuff that's to the north decides to come south. But looks like nor'east is where the rain is coming from. So I would say it's just hit now, and uh, I'd give it half an hour. I think about half an hour. Um, due to start at 2.30, I think. Um, but, yeah, keep us up to date. We're getting some good uh, update, weather updates, very important stuff for us here. Um, raining across you from Mark, that was 15 minutes ago. Uh, raindrops are falling on my head from Mark, right fresh, hot off the press. But um, let's go to the sunshine of the TAB. I don't know what it's like in Wellington or in Hatai or in Patoni. Paul Mawadi, g'day, Paulie. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear that. A lovely update there from well, Mark Hickey. Nice. <laughs> Mark Hickey. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. He's been giving us updates all the time, and someone else has just said uh, started, uh, can confirm it's starting to rain uh, in Christchurch. So the rain radar looks like it's bang on. But I'm thinking 25, 30 minutes worth of rain, and then it'll go away. But anyway, so let's have a look at the cricket. If it were to start, actually, Paulie, I, I had a question. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but someone has said something about same game multis in cricket. And I, I can't find the original one, but are there, is there same game multis in cricket? Um, I'm fairly sure we've got same game multis in cricket. Uh, yeah, yeah, they get shut off once the scheduled start time goes, though. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So same game multis in cricket. That's what you're asking about. That's what I'm asking right, about. Like the black cap, like the black caps India game. Yep. No, getting the I'm getting the shake of the head from the shake bookies. The shake saying, of the head. Okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. There we are. Hot off the press. No, no, no. And I'm not going to ask you why not because you won't know that answer either. So, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> plenty of power plays. There's plenty of power plays to get stuck into anyway. There sure are. Which ones have been grabbed in the power plays? Hopefully, we'll get a. Hopefully, we'll get a. We'll get a game. Well, one that's really uh, grabbed uh, the punters' attention: Kane Williamson to score a century. Oh, refund if he scores fifty or more. Oh, uh, yes, but doesn't get to the century, and that's paying four dollars. So mm. he'll get plenty of time at the crease, you'd imagine. He likes to take his time, yeah, but when he gets going, look out. Have you got any Tom Latham scoring runs? Because I, I had a stat here. I didn't have a chance to mention it to Peter Fulton. Where is it? Uh, bear with me. Bear with me. Yep. Latham's, I'll tell you. Latham's yep. average oh, no. at Hagley Park is 52. Oh, you might like this one then. There's a, there's a few of them that have Tom Latham uh, in it. First one, Tom Latham, 30 or more runs and two or more catches. $4.50. Bounce and pace or, and lots of little faint edges. Yes, don't mind that. Yeah, yeah. Or Tom Latham, top New Zealand run scorer and New Zealand win, $12. Now we're talking $12 is go. my tune. There, there you go. <laughs> don't need to put a lot on to get a lot back. That's the little mantra I go by. A little five on that will get me 60. Tommy Latham, go you good thing. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Football World Cup, England are through. Yes. America are through. Everything's good in the world. It certainly is for English supporters and for the Americans as well. That's right. The first, what, four teams are now through to the round of 16. Of course, the Netherlands take on the Americans Sunday morning at 4 o'clock our time. Um, and the English are taking on Senegal. Uh, and I'm fairly sure that game is Monday morning um, at 8 o'clock. So, um, yeah, a couple of big games. But we've got some big games coming up. Uh, in the final round of group play, uh, the Aussies take on Denmark tomorrow morning at four o'clock. Uh, they need a win to get through. Uh, the French uh, already through. They're taking on Tunisia, but you'd think they'd have not too many problems there. Uh, but the big game, I guess, is Argentina-Poland with the Argentinians uh, needing a result, um, not just to get through, but to hopefully finish top of their group. Because if they if they finish second in their group, and they will almost certainly be playing France in the round of 16, which is uh, something they probably want to avoid at that early stage. Uh, good result for the Black Sox last night before we head off, Paul. Um, they need to just win, 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 win. They play again tonight. They, they do, and they've been backed by the uh, punters as well. They're $1.33 to beat the Cubans tonight, who are $3.00. Uh, of the remaining matches that haven't started, there's money for all of the favourites. The Czech Republic are a dollar twenty-seven favourite up against the Philippines, who the Black Sox beat last night. Um, the Canadians are slight favourites, dollar sixty-two to beat Japan, and the Venezuelans uh, very, very hot, a dollar six to take care of Denmark. All of the favourites uh, in those remaining matches have been very well backed. Magnificent, magnificent. Up the Black Sox. I'm absolutely loving it. And uh, always love chatting to you, Mo. Good stuff. Yep. Thanks, Devin. Hopefully the rain um, goes away fairly soon down there in Christchurch and we get a game on our hands. Oh, and could you just one more thing from uh, Texas just said. Could you please let the CEO know of the TAB that Italy aren't in the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm glad he picked up on that. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Cheers, very mate. good. Okay, very you. good. Thank you. See you, mate. There he is. Um, that was just an, an email at the CEO of the TAB, who's doing a good job, actually. He he is he is doing a good job. But at the end of it, he 
they sign it and he just said, my pick for the World Cup's Italy. <laughs> and then he said something like, um, although people in the office have, have assured me that it's a bad pick, let's hope they prove them wrong or something. I'm hoping they prove them wrong. <laughs> oh, it's just so bad. Oh, it was good. Um, if you hadn't caught up, uh, the Black Caps beat the Philippines last night 8-1 and the mercy rule was invoked over five innings. I would have liked it to carry on and win by 13-1 because it is the run rate, whatever the equivalent is, um, that's going to count for big things. But uh, big game tonight, uh, Black Sox Cuba. And uh, tune in for that or go along and watch it as well. Support our wonderful, wonderful team. We shall have a break on the other side. Uh, One of my favourite parts of the show because I do nothing for it. I sit back, listen and be entertained by Sammy Hewitt with What's Making News. It. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Look forward to this every day, Sammy. I'm going to start off with um, something that Captain K sent me through on the old Insta, the socials. Um, Even though he's sitting next to you. Yeah. Well, that's just what our generation does, Steph. Um, we don't communicate. Whereas I'd be sending you a telegram. We don't, we don't communicate. Um, coming from the RFU, or actually the, the Telegraph in, in the UK, but um, out of the RFU, apparently they're looking into and potentially trialling... This is for their premiership. Correct. All right. A sin bin power play. The way that would work is the captain would tell the referee which player from the opposition he wants to sit on the sideline for 10 minutes. And mm. you would have a sin bin power play. So you'll have 10 minutes of 15 on 14. Yep. And you'd probably take off their best player. You would. Now, <coughs> immediately I just think that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. What are they thinking about? However, from a purely spectator point of view, that's sort of quite interesting. Like, tactically, do you do it towards the end? Who do you, pick? Who do you Who pick? Do you pick? Do you do it towards the end of the game? Do you do it, you know, sort of in the middle? And obviously you do it when you're dominating. But do you do something like you wouldn't – the cliche answer is Adi Savia for the All Blacks, right? Like, take Adi off at a certain point in time. But what if it was a player that you knew might get subbed anyway? So you wait till 60 minutes, he's off, and then you use your yellow card on somebody else. Uh, there's so many permutations, Steph. I think straight away, I would look at, without with 30 seconds thought, I'd get rid of the first five. Yeah, that's yeah. Because that's it's, a, it's a skill set mm-hmm. that a lot of players don't have. Artie, fantastic player, but they can probably cover him in the forwards and, and stuff like that and, and, and narrow the field. Down. But you take away... Although, if they sent Richie Moore off, Bodie could come up to 10. But New Zealand's one of the few teams that would have that luxury. Fascinating. And you'd be hot on attack, and they go, right, now. Yeah. And they go, no, not now. We don't want to lose one now. Yeah, well, like, yeah, you ju- you get a penalty five metres out, and then they use it there to stop your momentum. What about a midfielder? Because we talk about how important it is to get a midfield combination. And I would argue that pretty much every country right now only has one combination, mm. one genuine combination. So disrupt that, mm. and you could open up a bit of a, can of, a few can of worms. Yeah, so. I think it's a back. Yeah. And you wouldn't be allowed to get rid of a front row. So you're, tell, so you're telling me you're a fan of the Simbin power play? I'm a fan of giving something a go. I'm a fan of fast fail. Try it. If it doesn't work, get rid of it, but try it. Well, they'll trial it. You said the premiership might be the... They might go the tear down or they might go their provincial or whatever it is before they Try go big. But yeah, give mind. it a go. There you go. So uh, the RFU is bringing that one uh, to the masses. Now, I'll try not to – I'll try to abbreviate the story if I can, Steph. It's about a man who 
fell off a cruise ship and was at sea. I saw that. For close to 15 hours. 28-year-old, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, 28-year-old um, before miraculously being rescued. I've got the full story here, which walks through everything that happened. But long story short, he disappeared at night, said he was going to the bathroom, didn't come back. They signaled the alarm at about 11 p.m. or someone said, hey, I think he's missing. They do another check in the morning. They sort of do a, a passenger check, make sure everyone's there. And in the morning, he still wasn't there. And so at that point, you've been seven or eight hours. They start panicking. They start to call a search and rescue. Gets to the point where the whole cruise ship has to turn around and join the search and rescue, helicopters, other boats, etc. And out of nowhere, a helicopter, and you don't realise when you watch these documentaries about people being lost at sea, how hard it is for mm. you to see someone lost at sea. Mm. Helicopter randomly spotted him. He was conscious, which surprised them all. And when they wheeled him on, he was totally fine. And they reckon he would have been at sea for around about 15 hours. They call it a miracle. They don't know how he was able to tread water and stay alive for 15 hours. Had mild hypothermia, etc. Crazy, mm. crazy story. That, that'll be on the next episode of, you know, I shouldn't be here or whatever those ones are, you know, where they just randomly survive crazy events. How long do you reckon you'd last? Well, I can't swim. So oh. 30 seconds. <laughs> See, I reckon as long as the water wasn't icy cold, I reckon I could do 15 hours. You reckon you could tread water for 15 hours, Float, staff? float on my back. Oh, see, I can't even float. I don't know the technique for that. I do it and I just sink. So the big key, what people do, mm-hmm. so to, I could get you to float. I could teach you to float in 20 seconds. Really? What's yep. the big thing? Shoulders back, which is you feel like, oh, shoulders and head back. Whereas your natural inclination is to stay oh, no, I forward. Know, I know the head back, but I haven't heard of the shoulders. Yeah, everything back and keep your ear, keep your chest, chest open and full of air. And you reckon you can just float there without doing anything? Piece of without cake. even Piece of moving cake. your arms or hands? Piece of cake. Well, cheapest. Well, book yourself a cruise ship. <laughs> Put yourself to the test. Um, now, our, our great friend of the show, Cristiano Ronaldo. Good friend. Who we love. Regular we talked guest. about yesterday how he tried to claim the goal from Bruno Fernandes. Mm. Tell me if this isn't just peak Cristiano Ronaldo in my eyes, Steph. I want to see if you agree. Because Portugal, it came out late last night that Portugal were seeking to produce evidence to FIFA to prove that Cristiano Ronaldo deserves the goal. It did touch his head. Now, first of all, how petty is it that you're getting your national body to fight for you to say you scored? What a team, man. But how crap is that for Bruno Fernandes, who actually scored the goal, to have his own national body working to take the goal away from him? It's really who cares. I know. Your team won. Your team got to go. Like, it's like All Blacks go over um, and Fletcher Newell and Samasone Tokiaho both sort of put them down and Tokiaho gets up and goes, I got it. And Fletcher Newell says, I thought it. And they'd be, I don't care who gets it. Mate, but this is Cristiano Ronaldo and he's a rare breed. Apparently FIFA has responded and said they've got all the technology that proves that it wasn't him who scored it. So... Soz, mate, you're out of luck. Now, um, I've got a bit of audio stuff that I want to play, and uh, hopefully I've got enough time here. Stephen A. Smith, you a fan? Yeah. Stephen A. Smith! Stephen A. Smith was late to work this uh, yesterday on First Take, um, the, the ESPN TV show that he works for, and I, I think that Stephen A. Smith has a response... Highly relatable to both you and I, staff, given that we live here in Auckland and a lot of Aucklanders. Take a listen to this. 10.24 and 12 seconds and counting. Stephen A. Smith has arrived. And I will say this. <laughs> uh, Stephen A. Yes. I love that suit. Thank you so much. I do. I love that suit. How are you feeling? The job? I am fine. Let me tell you something, man. I, I, I'm just going. I'm done with New York. I'm done with New York. I was parked. <laughs> and I, when I say parked, I mean literally parked. On the West Side Highway. 
parked on the West Side Highway. I got a crib 15 minutes from me. I left at 845. This is ridiculous. But I, I, I was late. My bad. You should have left American at 730. People. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. I'm sure I, I'm sure I will hear that from some people. I ain't leaving that no damn stuff. Just want to apologize to both yourself, the audience, actually to Stephen A as well, Steph, because I know he listens to the show. Um, sorry to cut him off there. Just got cut off by the ad. So I'll, I'll bring back the Stephen A yeah, story I want to hear the whole thing. Um, after the two o'clock news. But just for now, I'll give you a fact to finish. Please. Uh, an estimated 23.2 million Americans believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. No. They did a uh, survey that found 48% of respondents weren't sure where chocolate milk comes from. 7% thought they came from brown cows, which adds up to 23.2 million. (laughs) (laughs) Only in America. Where does lime milk come from? I'm going to go ask Casey. Yeah, go and ask Casey. Go and ask Casey, our US uh, football correspondent. We'll take a break for news. We'll come back with Stephen A. Smith, The Full Story. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Stephen A. Now, just before the news, we heard he'd had it with New York. I'm done with New York or something like that. I'm done with New York. So he was running late for his show and the female host said uh, he's finally arrived and he's late and Stephen A. unloaded. I've truncated truncated a little bit. I'll I'll play it out again, Steph, for those people that just joined us. But the reason why I wanted to play it, just as a little bit of preface here, is because quite often yourself, myself, Kiz, Captain K, will come into the office in a very similar fashion. Well, I quite often get texts from you and Captain K saying, mate, look, traffic surrender, it's just ridiculous. But you experience that yourself as well. Yeah. We all have our days here in Auckland. You get them days. You get them days. You get them days, and I just feel like everyone has a little Stephen A. Smith moment from time to time. 24 and 12 seconds and counting. Stephen A. Smith has arrived. How are you feeling? The job? I am fine. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, man. I, I, I'm just going to. I'm done with New York. I'm done with New York. I was parked. And I, when I say parked, I mean literally parked on the West Side Highway. Parked on the West Side Highway. I got a crib 15 minutes from me. I left at 845. This is ridiculous. But I, I, I was late. My bad. You should have left American at 730. People. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. I'm sure I, I'm sure I will hear that from some people. I ain't leaving at no damn 730 for a 10 o'clock show when I live 15 minutes away. It ain't happening, okay? And by the way, the traffic's so damn bad, I still probably would have been late if I left at 7. It's ridiculous. But nevertheless, I am here. Oh, the amount of time, staff, that, you know, you leave at 730, you get here, you get here late. So you leave at 645, you get here late. So then you go, bugger that, I'm not leaving that easy. So you leave it, or, or you leave at 7.45 and you get here at 7 o'clock. <laughs> so you think, oh, okay, well, I'm not doing that again. And then the next day you're late again. It's just infuriating. The unpredictability of the Auckland traffic. Yeah, mine's more going home. Like, 
Uh, I, I live 16 kilometres from the studio, mm-hmm. and it can take me an hour and a quarter. So if it was yeah. an hour, that's an average speed of 16 kilometres an hour. It's an hour and a quarter, so that is an average of 12 kilometres an hour, uh, 90% of it on motorway. 100 kilometres speed I think limit. going home is worse than coming in. Always is going is worse yeah, than coming Everyone ca- seems going. to go home at the same time, Correct. but they go to work at different times. Totally. And would you say that it's more frustrating to I, – I find it worse when you're at a standstill. Like I don't mind if there's heavy traffic as long as you're constantly moving. But what really just gets me is when you see all the red lights in a chain in front of you just all go, do, 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 and then all of a sudden you're just braked and you're not moving for a minute. Yeah. That's what breaks your heart. Yeah. And you've got a long way to go. And, you know, it's just. And my mum will ring me and she goes, you okay to talk? And I say, yeah, I'm on the motorway. Oh, I can ring back. Like, no, no, I'm going five kilometres an hour. <laughs> it's yeah, all, I you've got me for an hour. don't really need to concentrate. And, and I also think, like, I'm pleased it's not the other way around, that it's frustrating. Because when you come into work, you've got to get to work. You've got things to do. And mm. Whereas when I'm going home, it's just like, oh, you know, I get home at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. I don't really care. Yeah, and so spare a thought for Stephen A, because it's not often that you're late um, to a TV show. Like, yeah. I can't remember a TV show where someone's rocked up. Like, I'm sure it's happened behind the scenes, but I can't remember someone walking into a TV show. Like, now, it may happen here on air, and we, we see it on some of the other show staff, particularly uh, the either end of the day. We have people that sometimes come in a bit late to their show, but never on a TV show and never as big as First Take in ESPN. Yeah, one of the biggest sports, one of the shows, biggest sports on shows. And it's actually quite funny because when they were waiting for him, they were looking at the security cameras out in the parking lot, showing him like running out of the car into the building. So it was quite comical, comical, but um, you'll never do it again. Mm. Never do it again. Never do it again. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to have a look at the Bailey's Property of the Week, 1712. Righto, uh, Bailey's Property of the Week. It's always a fun, fun time. Question for you out there, people. Do you know where the place named Ward is W A R D. Hands up at home, hands up in the production booth if you know where Ward is. Do you know is where it near Ward- Wardville? No, not bad. Uh, That's Woodville. Know. Yeah, I know where Woodville is. That's just before the um. So I didn't know till I just clicked on this map. This property is in Ward or just outside of Ward, and that is between Blenheim and Kaikoura. Oh, gee, would never that. Would never got that. No, uh, just sort of off stable highway one. Here it is, easily accessible. It is a quality property. How big you say? I'll tell you how big it is. 44 hectares. 30% of it's flat, 70% rolling land. Uh, Secure income. It's a private secluded lifestyle farm property. Uh, There is a passive energy Hebdal clad home with four garage parking. And sheds galore. That's the Sam Hewitt key. Sheds galore for all your lawn seed, fertiliser, paint, the whole lot. It's all there. All your toys, all your ride-ons. The whole shebang, farm equipment storage. It's at 183 Seddon Street. It's a slice of heaven, they've described it here, in a sheltered valley near the Ward Township and very close to the beach, actually. Not far away from the beach at all. Uh, the house has been designed and built to maximise existing north-facing environment. You want to be north-facing, bit of sun. There's solar water, underfloor heating, expansive north-facing deck. Outdoor deluxe. Outdoor areas wrapped in a mature, well-developed landscape gardens featuring manicured, expansive lawns. Uh, there's fruit, there's ornamental trees, pottages, all your veggies. This is a lifestyle deluxe. The farm... 
Four hectares of pine trees, nice. Christmas, sorted. A solid set of circular one-man yards and good-sized well-fenced paddocks, all with troughs. Don't have to trough, re-trough, untrough. The troughs are there. Central gravel laneway, uh, gravel laneway access for stock movements connects the tracks. 95% of the property is accessible with side-by-side. It's currently used for beef grazing. There's a lease in place to offer turnkey income. This is a great summer country Solid fertiliser and pasture history available. If you want further information, here's the two people. Here's the two people. Charlie Fairhall McLean, Marlborough. Mike Poff, Marlborough. Get yourself to Ward. I always have to check the uh, kitchen. You know the rules. I see the sheds. I see the all oh, the house looks good. Nice aerial shot of the house. Lots of varietals, I think we'll go with, uh, the word I'll use for the trees. The aerial, I don't know how they take these photos. And they do a little red line of the boundary. You're very close to the ocean, actually. Very close to the ocean. Beautiful uh, scenery. Shelter belts, deluxe. Now we're getting towards the house. We're outside the house now. It's a sort of a U-shape, bit of a U-shaped house. Uh, the outdoor areas in the low part of the U, a little bit of outdoor furniture. Inside we go. Lounge, nice. Lighting, good. Kitchen, sizable. Happy. Island, island. What do you call those? Island, island bench, island. What do you call those things? A floating island thing, you know. Is it a floating island or a floating bench? Floating, floating kitchen bench? It's got one of those. It's definitely got the word floating in it. Yeah, it's got the word floating. A big pantry. Quite like the lighting in this place too. Big, big, big. This same like this. Big bookshelf in sort of the living room lounge. Looks like an alternate one actually with a desk and all the drama. Big size bedrooms. Nice ensuite. Bathroom. The old double hand bases. The shower. The bath. I like the lighting in this place for some reason. I'm not usually drawn to lighting but don't mind it in this place. There's your shed. Your little lean-tos. Your trucks. Can all go around this big gravelled way, four bay, four bay garage, freestanding veggies. I'm sold. Oh, it's got a name. The property's got a name. Go back one. Red, Red Hue. There's something about giving your property a name on the on the on the batten fence from the roadway and up the drive. This is called Red Hue. Don't mind it. It's a good name. Red trees, orange trees. Brown trees, green trees, deluxe. This place looks good. So get in touch with uh, Mike Poff or Charlie Fairhall McLean. Uh, they're both uh, Marlborough agents for Bailey's. Uh, Bailey's altogether better. And those two, I reckon, would they fight over who's going to sell it to? Would they both go out? Would they say, no, I'm taking you? I don't know. They're a good crew, Bailey's. So more information, baileys.co.nz, the little forward slash, and then the property number, Four one three five two seven nine. Four one three five two seven nine. That is your Bailey's property of the week. In Ward. Oh, there's still five photos I haven't even looked at. No, it's good. Go just go and give give your give your eyeballs a treat and just go and like I just to pretend you've got the country rural living lifestyle. It's good stuff. Later on in the show today, in about an hour's time, we're going to play you, replay you a chat that was on breakfast this morning with Springbok captain Sia Kalisi. I, I, I loved it. He is such an inspirational leader of not only his team, but of his country. And the um, 
the tools that they use to perform on the field is so much more than winning games of rugby. I just absolutely loved it. So we're going to play it again for you at 3.20 if you missed it. If you heard it early this morning, I'm sure you won't mind hearing it again. Also, in about half an hour, we're going to be playing the chase. But right after this break, we're going to catch up with the UK football writer, massive man United fan. His name's Wayne Barton. He joins the show after the break. Well, after a 3-0 win, it's only right we head to the United Kingdom and a wonderful football writer, an author of 20 books, Wayne Barton. Look him up, buy his books, you'll be entertained. I'm sure, Wayne Barton, you were entertained. 3-0 for England, things were looking good. Yeah, especially the second half. Um, obviously, as a big United fan, delighted to see uh, Marcus get two goals. And to see, you know, a couple of the United players play well as well. But, yeah, really impressive, dominating performance from England tonight. This is the England we've been wanting to see for a while. Uh, what's been the sentiment uh, over there in the UK? I know it's late, but I can imagine car horns and, and music happened on full time. <laughs> no, not around our area. <laughs> you know what? It, it's a, a little bit funny um, because... Historically, growing up, so I, I'm in my late thirties, early forties now. <laughs> early forties. So, in, in the early sort of like, well, the, the past twenty years, the press have always built up England to unbelievable standards, to standards they were never likely to, you know, achieve in, in major tournaments. And maybe the last five or six years, they've been dampened a little. They've been a little bit more tempered. Nobody's really expected England to win the tournament, um, and and they've—I I wouldn't say overachieved, but they've definitely—you know—obviously they've done really well. And this time round, I'm not saying that there's any particular pressure on them to win, but obviously before the tournament, there was even talk about Gareth Southgate losing his job, and so for them to do as well as they've done so far, um, I wouldn't say yeah, there's car honk in the street but there's definitely a growing optimism and nothing too much over the top to be sure but um, definitely optimism about what they can do. Gareth Southgate's selections at the World Cup there's been a lot of criticism for him and as you've mentioned even before the tournament started do you feel like he's been getting it right in your mind? Well yeah because the the results have backed it up and even the USA result now looking at that in retrospect um, yeah, okay, it was a disappointing performance and the nil-nil draw isn't great. But in terms of the way that he set the group up, I'm not saying that he was right to do what he did. You know, like everyone wanted Foden to play. But in terms of the way that he, he presented this last, um, this last game with the group, you know, England weren't going to, they weren't going to be eliminated if they, unless they'd lost by four goals. So, I think in terms of his selections, I think he's he's got it as right as could be. Um, you know, he, to be fair to him, he started with Rashford from the bench, and Rashford has sort of come on and he's given him his chance to to do well, and hopefully he'll do that with Foden because he was really well tonight. He was really good tonight. So if you look at those kind of um, decisions that he's making in the middle of the tournament, it does suggest the um, the character of a manager who's not too afraid to. You know, he's not stubborn from day one, he's willing to sort of give the players a chance and change it in the middle of a tournament. So I think that bodes well for England. 
And interesting to note that uh, you've talked, you've said Marcus Rashford's name about four times, so I'm going to say it another time. Um, he's joined he's joined England goal scoring royalty at World Cups now. Uh, huge achievement. Yeah, um, so I think it was Bobby Charlton scored three in sixty six, and and that was the leading um, Manchester United representative in an England team until this moment in time at the single World Cup. So he's done that, and obviously everyone in Manchester is proud of Marcus for the humanitarian aspects of his career. But also, I mean, he scored 100 goals, 100 plus goals for United already. So he's, if he stays at United for all his of his career, he's well on the way to becoming the the club record goal scorer as well. So to see him, I think there's a special attachment to him from some of us because we want him to do well, and because he, he because he's one of our own. And the first goal tonight, it was just phenomenal. Mm. It was a, such an excellent shot. And even the, the footwork for the second goal, that showed, it, it, in a in a way, that was almost more impressive because it showed a player with a lot of confidence, a lot of aggression in his play. And obviously, if you're watching a confident Marcus Rashford play and he's, he's contributing to your attack, um, you've got to be excited. And, of course, you're entrenched in Manchester United. I saw a tweet of yours actually saying Brazil had more Man U starters than England. The world of football was crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, yeah, England matched it tonight because they had Joe, Maguire and Rashford. But before that, in this World Cup, obviously Anthony, Casemiro and... Um, I'm forgetting the other player, forgive me. But they were all on the... Uh, Fred were on the pitch at the same time before three players of United uh, were on the pitch for England at the same time. So, yeah, <laughs> I think it's just the fact that he's, he's Brazil and United haven't been uh, renowned for great playing the last six or seven years. So to see um, three Brazilians on the pitch for United at the same time is uh, in the Brazilian team it was, was kind of crazy. But to, to be fair, I'm not saying England played like Brazil tonight, but it, it was a, a definite step up from what we used to see yeah, I was going to ask you about the the link between Southgate and his team and the style that they are playing. Are England fans, and you're one of them, are you seeing the, the the potential, the right style to go even deeper into this World Cup, or is there something yet to be unleashed? Yeah, let let me um, put that into proper context. As an, a Manchester United fan based in Manchester, I'm not. I, I grew up with this. Um, idea that United were over England all the time. We had a lot of controversy with the English press, with England players over the turn of the century, where they, they had the knives out for David Beckham, for, for, for Phil Neville, for both of the Nevilles. So we always had this United over England complex. So I've never been attached to them in the same way that there are a lot of obviously loyalists in the country, as you would be if you're following your country at a World Cup. So I think I'm able to look at it from a more objective point of view. Um, I will say that I still think that in my lifetime, watching England at the Euro 96, they had a, a really good blend of football. The way that they played football was really good. I don't really see that in this England team, but I do see a lot of outstanding individuals who can play good football. Jude Bellingham, for example, is just incredible as a player. Phil Foden, now he's in the team. Hopefully that those two can combine as well. You've got Rashford in good form. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I think Southgate's doing right with his selections. I don't necessarily think he's um, a champion of great football. I'm, I'm not saying that to be critical, but especially after seeing England win a couple of the, the 
group games and somewhere, I just think um, we have to be really be realistic and put it in perspective. Southgate isn't really renowned as a great football um, coach in terms of like he doesn't really get the, a reputation for playing great football. But then again, you have to look at the players and say that you know the half of the responsibility is of the players and and they're doing what they're supposed to do. So um, you definitely could see if you're going to have an individual step up at a certain point, you know, you, you never know. The next round could be Bellingham's, and then the next round could be Foden's, and you know, it's all tied to individual performances around that. Um, so I do think that. They've got a fair good chance of, you know, going really far in the in the tournament. What does success look like for English football? And I'm talking fans, administrators, coaches, players. How deep do they have to go to get a pass mark? I think the further you get into the tournament and you look at the other teams in the tournament, I think Brazil have been quite impressive. Spain, without scoring, I know they had the anomaly of all those goals in one game, but generally they're not renowned for scoring a lot of goals. Um, I think around, aside from those two teams, there aren't, or France obviously as well with Mbappe in, in great form, there aren't too many teams that England would, would fear too much. So I, I really think that, I know I said earlier that there isn't a great press expectation on them, but I think the further you get into the tournament, the, the more games that you see and the more you see England play well, that you would expect that if they don't get to the semi-finals, they'll probably be criticised in the press. Um, that That's probably what I would think at this moment in time as well. I think they've got a fair chance of getting that, that far. And um, and then, as you know, when you get to the semi-final, it, it, it's as much about luck as, as it is a good performance. So if they get that far, then I think that... Um, most people will be quite happy. Talking to Wayne Barton, wonderful UK football writer based in Manchester United, if you hadn't already guessed. Uh, Wayne, uh, finally, um, I don't like to look too far ahead because we're in the middle of a World Cup, but things are looking pretty rosy for the future of England football with some of the youngsters that Southgate's brought into the squad and the performing on the stage, so they're only going to be so much better. So things are looking very good for the, for the next Euros and the next World Cup as well for your guys. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, again, to move back to Southgate, there's a lot of speculation about whether, you know, this tournament will, will be his last anyway. You know, if he if he takes England as far as what he thinks he can for this tournament. But like I mentioned earlier, you've got Foden, you've got Bellingham. These are two generational talents in the England team, in the England setup that you would, if you were a coach at England, you would be looking at that thinking, I'd be quite happy to stick around to the next generation. I mean, this is a wider conversation, to be honest, where you look back at um, English football and the Premier League and all the investment in there and the weakness of, or the increasing weaknesses of the other European leagues. It would suggest that English football could get stronger in the next two or four years. So it would, you know, Southgate would stand a better chance of success at either the Euros or, or the World Cup. So, um, it's an interesting one, I, for sure. I mean, you can't discount teams like Spain or, or Germany or France because they've, they've been, well, certainly Spain and France have been quite strong at this tournament. But 
as far as England are concerned, you do think, you know, for, for years, I mean, Euro 96, World Cup 98, there was the song came out, you know, the Three Lions song, and it was kind of tongue-in-cheek because nobody expected England to get that far. And now it's almost flipped the other way where the press expectation is kind of muted. But people are growing in belief that they can actually be a major contender at these tournaments. So I think that regardless of how they do at this tournament, because it's, you know, it's 50% look, 50% performance, like I said earlier, they've, they'll stand a chance of being a major contender in the next two or three international tournaments. Brilliant, Wayne. Uh, great chat. Um, we're following England quite closely here, as you would expect. It's uh, probably the most watched league from New Zealanders is the Premier League, and so we've got got a real affinity for the England football team, and it, and it explodes. We actually had a guy walking past our office before. We've got big glass windows and big TVs, and he's standing outside the window double pumping and just going 3-0, 3-0, and we didn't know who he was. So it has captured us down here. Uh, Wait, really appreciate talking to you today. Um, all the best for you and your team over there, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Welcome back in. Um, watching the preview of the Aussie West Indies. Uh, Ken's just texting saying that the Aussie West Indies first test in Perth build-up is on now, so they can't be far away from getting going. Um, we've had a number of weather weather checks uh, from Christchurch. Rain stopped. Uh, is anyone jumping on Tuivasa this Sunday for UFC? Ty, Tuivasa. They must be fighting in the that's, That one escaped me. Um... I will be. Uh, Mark from Blenheim. Oh, no. Mark says, I know where water is. It's about 40 minutes out of Blenheim. Water's 10 minutes from me now. Matt from Blenheim. Um, Do you guys rate the power play France to win most corners and most shots on target, both in each half? Oof. I don't know enough about soccer football to see whether that is good value or not. 450 for France to win and have the most corners and most shots on target in each half. That's a question for Captain K. Who's France playing next? Does anyone know? Uh, yep, they're playing Tunisia. Tun- Tunisia. Brendan's Tunisia. Tunisia. So France bet, to win man. most corners, That's most awesome shots on four fifty. There you go, Kane. We awesome shouldn't have bet. said that out loud, to be fair, until okay. we'd got on it. True, yeah. We might have just... Well, afternoon, boys. Um, when you're talking to the TAB fellas... Or you may know, Staffy. Can you bet on top five, top ten, top twenty, three different players for a multi? I'm thinking you're talking golf, and I'm thinking that you can't. I think you can in majors, but not in run-of-the-mill ones. I think you can in majors. Sorry, Brendan, I'm been out of the loop there for a little while. I'm not 100% sure. Um, this one here, the afternoon plan. Black caps on TV, volume on low. West Indies versus them over there. Test match on the SEN app on the phone. Staffy and Sammy on the wireless in the kitchen and chicken parmigiana under preparation all in the same room. 
sign me up for the chicken parmigiana. What a setup you've got, Texter. That is magnificent. Hey, Steph, I can tell you that it is heaving down in Ward at the minute, but they need it. And bloody good hunting and diving out that way. Cheers, Graham from Marlborough, formerly in Northern. It's peeing down in Ward right now. Um, yes, Ian Smith is part of the commentary, and there he is. There he is. He's on the panel with... Adam Gilchrist, Mark War, and a magnificent-looking Brian Lara. It's classic, actually. Very West Indies. The two Aussies and the Kiwi in navy blue suits, white shirts, blue tie, little pocket square. Brian Lara? He's wearing da pink. I was going to say it's... Or is it more of a... Apricotty, peachy, terracotta. <laughs> just <laughs> looks magnificent. It's, uh, it's um, flamboyant. Flamboyant, you know, to say the least, and he's in great nick. And you were just saying as well that you're um you're a big fan of Aussie Test cricket, like just yeah. as a as a product. Yeah, you'll consume that. I love any the Test matches week. out of Australia and in Perth, and I just the coverage is brilliant. It's always good cricket. It's always the a wacker. fight. The wacker. Uh, it's not the wacker. Do they still play Perth, at the wacker? Is Perth wacker? They've got that new stadium. Uh, do they play at Optus? I don't know. Oh, well. Um, what about Jimmy Smith saying yesterday that um he doesn't think there'll be as much support for the Aussie cricket team this series and because and, they're playing are they playing England after West Indies in a oh. short format but you know he reckons that not as much support because you know of all of this Pat Cummins and controversy etc and sponsorships it'd be interesting if uh, and, too much, fan. and too much cricket yeah well, I mean, and they're up against the big bash as well true be interesting to see yeah, if that if the politics stays out of it and whether they do still sell out because that's what Australia is sort of known for for me, for cricket over the summer, is packing out their grounds mm, mm, for test cricket, mm. which we don't really do. Uh, got a message here for you, Sam. Oh, dear. Sam, yep. if you do nothing else in your life, learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. You'll need it if you have kids. Sam, you have a kid. I, I know. I do know how to swim, um, but just, yeah, I've. it's always been a bit of a weakness of mine. Um, and I told you a story about in high school, you know, where I did the surf lifesaving course and failed. And Did I tell you that story? No. No. Oh. See, I, I, I look at you and I think I can see how you swim. How's that? Like like this. Yeah, sort of. Well, that's always, how I that's how I used to swim, yeah. No, yeah. but look, lo- really long story short, I um I signed up for in sixth form music class thinking I really wanted to do music for that'd be fun. And we showed up to the class and I was one of two. And quickly learned that this just wasn't gonna be fun at all. And all my mates had signed up for PE. So I jumped over to the office, said, Can I do PE? They said, Yep, yeah, but you can't start until Wednesday. This is on the Monday, you can't start until the Wednesday class. So I get there on the Wednesday and they had already done on the first day of school, they had all gotten into the pool and swam, I think it was four hundred meters, which is of a twenty five meter pool sixteen laps. Yep. Is that right? Um, sixteen laps in the pool. And they'd already done their time trial and everything. So when I got to class, they're all doing paperwork by the pool because we always did outdoor classes for those first few weeks. And my teacher says, right, well, you've got to do the trial. Everyone else has done it. You've got to get into it. So I was like, oh, in front of everyone. And he was like, well, you've got to do it. So I get in the pool staff and I think 16 laps I'm doing in my head. I'm like, that's not too hard, is it? I do the 16 laps and after about three of them, um, he like the teacher literally just taps me on the shoulder as I'm like basically drowning through the water. He taps me on the shoulder and he's like, mate, just, just get out. Just <laughs> He's like, Don't, this is hard for you. Just get out of the pool. Everyone laughing and taking the mickey out of me. Um, and so you had to swim the 16 laps in under uh, 12 minutes to be able to go on the surf lifesaving course, which was the end of term assessment. So 10 weeks, end of term assessment, under 12 minutes, right? 
So I thought, well, I've got to fix this. So I went to Tedapa Pools, great establishment if you're from the Hamilton region. I went to the Tedapa Pools staff, I'm going to say three or four times a week after school, 40 lengths. 40 lengths. And I tried sometimes to do it nonstop. I, I took breaks, but I just wanted to get better at swimming. Learned a bit of technique. And after my 10 weeks, I did the trial in the pool. And I think I swam 10 and a half minutes. So I was going to the Surf Life Saving Course, giddy up. <laughs> surf Life Saving Course in Whangamata. And I got there late because we had an athletics meet on the Saturday. I got there on the Sunday. On the Saturday, beautiful, flat, sunny day. You had to run 100 metres, swim out 200, swim back 200, that's the 400 metres, and then run 100 to the finish line. And you did, I don't think you had a time limit, but you, you had to do that and pass. So I get there on the Saturday, on the Sunday after a nice calm Saturday. Sunday storm, like two meter high waves, just <laughs> cold blowing, and I was doing it with like five other people. So I run along and I'm getting ready, and then I go out into the ocean. I start swimming. Now, when you're swimming against waves as opposed to in a pool, one of the things that really gets to you is you can often like look off to the side, or and it doesn't look like you're going anywhere. You don't get that sense of going forward because you don't have the yeah. objects next to you. So I started swimming and it's I'm trying to you know, go up over these waves and the head's going up and down. And then I did what is just the number one rule you do not do. I let my legs fall mm. and tried to touch the bottom. And then you realize there is no bottom. You know, I've swum out 50 meters. There is Panic. no bottom. Panic. Can't get my feet back up upright. What do I have to do? Hand in the air. Teacher has to swim out and save me with a little... Uh, you know, the little flotation device, and then I get towed back into shore and uh, fail the fail the class. <laughs> so after 10 weeks of 40 lengths, I bloody failed PE. Uh, it was pretty much the only thing I failed in school, staff was how to swim. So not, not my favourite activity, I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Not my favourite activity. So then you parked it. Uh, Sam's just texting, different Sam. Steph, you can put golf multis on top five, top 10, top 20, and top 30 or 40 on any tournament as long as it's different players. It does not need to be majors. Thank you, Sam. See, I told you I was out of the, out of the, uh, out of the loop. Ken's told us that the test match is at Optus, as the wacker is under construction. So that's getting underway. And I see the one-day cricket has started on time. India are batting. Uh, Shikadawan and uh, Gil have opened the batting. Uh, Tim Southey with the first over. So the first ball has gone down. So. We're underway in Christchurch, about to be underway in Perth, and we're about to be underway with the chase. If you want to play the chase, 0800 150 New Zealand's favourite game show, the world's favourite game show, and our favourite game show in the afternoons. 0800 150 if you want to play the chase. We are chasing, we are chasing. chasing what are we chasing, Sam? We're chasing who? You're not going to tell me? 50,000. No. Um, <laughs> we've got on the line, uh, first caller coming through, uh, Dean from Christchurch. G'day, Dean. How are we, lads? Well? Wow, we are doing fantastic. We are, how are you doing? How's the pressure level? How's the sweat levels? Oh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I watched this program on TV1, so I've always wanted to play it. So <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go. Come on. That's exactly what we're aiming for, Dean. Capture that TV audience. Yeah. Right, mate. So the way it works on our show, 60 seconds, 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can, then the chase will try and chase you down, mate. I just need you to pick uh, set A or set B on our questions. Uh, we'll go A. Set A. Fine choice. All yep. right, Dean, I'm going to put one minute on the clock. Your time will start in three, two, 
one. Who coached England to Rugby World Cup glory in 2003? Uh, Clive Woodward. Correct. Who is the captain of the New Zealand Warriors? Um, Tyler Harris. Correct. Which team won the 2006 FIFA World Cup? Uh, Germany. Italy. Australia begin a two-test cricket series against which team today in Perth? Correct. Where did Carl Malone spend the majority of his NBA career? Uh, Utah Jazz. Correct. Joe Montana found NFL fame playing for which franchise? 49ers. Correct. Who is currently the Chiefs Super Rugby coach? Uh, Warren Gatlin. Clayton McMillan. Which NRL team will Cameron Serraldo coach in 2023? Uh, Dragon. Bulldogs. Which team beat the All-Whites in qualification to make the FIFA World Cup? Mexico. Costa Rica. Which American sprinter was stripped of her three Olympic gold medals due to doping? Oh, Marion Jones. Correct. I'll give him that, Steph. That's a good team. He ripped through. What did he get? Six, Keza. Six. Oh, you might have just sort of fumbled a little bit on the um, on the All-Whites Costa Rica one. I feel like you knew that. Yeah, yeah, mate. I, yeah, I do, mate. Like, I, I just remember Mexico just came into my head straight off yeah. the bat, so nah, you just got to You do. got to be quick, mate. you got to be quick, so I applaud you on that. Right, well, your chaser for today, of course, is the Staffinator. Staff, you got six to catch. Mm. If you get one wrong or pass, we'll stop the clock, and uh, Dean will get a chance to push you back, okay? Sure. Sure. Don't choke, Steph, don't choke. That a boy, Dean, that a boy, you put that pressure on, son. Okay, kids, we will start the clock for you, Mark Stafford, in three, two. Oh, hold on. Just got to make sure my levels are up. Uh, start the clock again in three, two, one. Which provincial rugby union does the Coromandel fall under? Thames Valley. Correct. Who has the record for most tries in NRL history? Ken Irvine. Correct. Which team has scored the most goals at the World Cup so far? Oh. England. Correct. Currently, what is the score in the Black Caps for the ODI series? New Zealand are up 1-0. Correct. The United States have won the most ah. Olympic medals in history. Who is number two? Whew. Russia. Stop the clock. The United States have won the most Olympic medals in history. Dean, who is number two? China. No, it is Great Britain. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah. I guess China really has only come yeah, onto the scene. That's a hand, that's a hand, so they get four countries in one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Steph, you are currently on four. A chance to push him back there, Dean. He's on four. Two to catch. Your time will start in three, two, one. When was the last time the Black Sox won the World Champs? Oh, 2017? Correct. And what year did the Belmain Tigers merge with the Western sur- Suburbs Magpies? 90... 99? That is correct. Oh. Well... At the, end, at the end of 99. So oh. he snuck in there, did he, Dean? Unfortunately, mate. And, yeah, uh, if you got that pushback, I reckon you might have been. He might have started to sweat, Mark Stafford. I had started to sweat. There was always another day. I'll be back for more. Yeah, you come back, Dean. I back you, mate. I oh, back oh, you yeah, second Dean. time round. Right. Cheers, buddy. Hey, boys. See you, mate. Oh, Mark. I yeah. I had a couple of hairy ones coming at you. Did you too as well? Yeah, I don't think you would have got them. So really, no. Do you want to try one? Or you save them, don't you? No, nah, because this one's probably going to change. Brazil currently ranked number one in the men's football rankings. Who's number two? Belgium. Oh. You looked that up recently, have you? No, I just know. I don't know oh, how I know, know stuff like that. No, you no, would have no, looked I it up. Ask, would, I did ask someone the other day. You would have looked it up. But is it just funny as well how, like, I put that NRL top try score question? And then you probably would have got Ken Irvine anyway. But, like, we've been talking about it today. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Um, hand on heart. Yeah. 
I didn't know that before Did, we talked about it wow. earlier today. So, there's, so I put that in there thinking, oh, you might not know that one. Yeah, yeah we talk about it and you get that. it. And then the West Indies, I mean, um, we've been talking about that too, who are Australia playing. But anyway, good effort from Dean. Good effort from Dean. I think we're just a couple away, Steph. We're probably eight, I think, is the golden number for you. Eight's massive nervous. 15 without loss, India through two, uh, three overs. Come back after the break. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, Kane. Uh, Kane went swimming in the ocean, uh, but when he left, the ocean didn't say goodbye. It just waved. Uh, the vegetarian never became a competitive swimmer because it didn't like the idea of swim meets. <laughs> Staff, a shout out. Two New Zealanders will be refereeing the France-Tunisia game tomorrow morning. Well done to them. Absolutely. I saw that there was a couple of officials going to the uh, Football World Cup, and there they are. They're involved tomorrow. France, Tunisia, congratulations. That's a big day for them. Um, I hear Ruby too is going to be at the Grand Mouth Santa Parade. What a great lass. I bet you wouldn't catch a male rugby star doing that. Big ups to Ruby. She can do no wrong, Rubes. Um, Craig sent through a cryptic crossword. I don't understand cryptic crossword clues. A footballer dribbles backwards in the Leprechaun's derby. Four letters. I, I don't even know where to start. We'll take some news. And we'll kick on after three. Back in, just watching um, the West Indies obviously have a new cap who is going to get, well, his first cap in this test match over in Perth. Brian Lara is out there and the young man has a big, big long name on the back of his shirt and it is Shandapal. And I'm wondering if it's Shiv Narayan's son. And there is... But was, it, was Shandapal? Oh, he was West Indian. Yeah, yeah. Shiv Narayan Shandapal. And actually the resemblance is remarkable. Well, let's look it up. If you wouldn't mind. So Shiv Narayan Shandapal, we're going to say his son is going to make his test debut and they're all standing around giving him hearty applause and just once again, Brian Lara I would say like a teal blue set of strides um, tan shoes matching colour tie is, that is the son and just a pink up. jacket so Ta- Tagnarine 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 Chundable yeah, it's the, it's the son how old is he? he is 26 is he? Yeah, surprisingly old, isn't he? Gosh, he looks 19. He does look quite young, but I'm just looking up here and he's, yeah, he is 26. Yeah, fantastic. And having Brian Lara present you with your first cap. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that. Stop it. Fantastic. Um, now, someone's, so Craig sent in um, the cryptic crossword clue for me. A footballer dribbles backwards in the leprechaun starby. Sam, just then, who also can't do cryptic crosswords, just gave me possibly the best definition of how to solve it that I've ever heard, even though he still can't apply it himself. 
So the answer is Pele, because the leprechaun, take the P-E-L-E, the last E of the the, and Pele is spelt backwards. So that's the a footballer, that's part of the clue, is Pele, dribbles backwards, so it's spelt backwards in the leprechaun starby, and the P-E-L-E is in that phrase. But I don't know how you start to even figure that out. Once I see the answer and mm. then it's explained into the clue, I get it. Yep. But how do you go the other way? There's the clue. What's it? I just don't get it. That's why it's cryptic, you know. Um, I, I think I, it's a mindset that is. once you click it, it's a bit like riding a bike. Fall off, fall off, fall off. Fall off. I can ride or, and you never fall off again. Do you ever do Sudokus? Yes. Yeah, when I first started Sudokus, I, I was like, this is just holographics to me. I can't understand anything. But once, you, once it clicks, all yeah. of a sudden you're away laughing. So this is the thing that I read. It said... Read the clue, and it said then read it backwards. Either the first word or the last word defines the solution. So in this case, a footballer. So the solution is a footballer. And then the the clue to that is in the middle part, and generally it'll tell you how to solve the clue in the middle part, i.e. backwards, dribbles backwards, so there's some sort of backwards word in amongst the middle part that relates to the first part. Even, but like I said, Steph, I'll say that to you, but then you give me another one. Mm, and, do you want then, me to give you another one? Okay, give me another one, Sam. Let's give it a go. <laughs> Just to see how I... The, the problem is I feel like by typing into Google, they're going to give you like the hardest cryptic crosswords, you know, as opposed to... Mm. Um, but I'll just type it in and see if like one comes up for free. Here's one, updated daily. Um, right, let's go today. One across. One across. There isn't a one across. There's an eight across. Okay. <laughs> Already this is... You're going to hate it. Head monk leaves hermitage to claim inheritance. <laughs> Head, Head monk. monk leaves hermitage to claim inheritance. How many letters? Uh, oh, it doesn't actually say. In the, oh, actually, I can count, can I? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight across, and it's eight letters. Frytuck. Oh, see, I have no idea where to start. Head monk leaves hermitage to claim inheritance. Leaves, so I'm trying to think of that adjective like the backwards or whatever. Yeah, so it leaves something from. Yeah, I just actually I haven't got it written down in front of me, so I just find it too hard. I, look, I, I, I think it's amazing. You know, people that can run sub four minute miles, people that can swim four hundred oh, meters under two minutes. I got the. I've just asked for the answer. So, clue. Um. Can't really. How, yeah. Uh, Lee. Does it make sense to you now you see the answer? Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. Now I know what it is. Yeah, now so I you can do the, the backwards. Do you way. want me to tell you or no? Yeah, tell me. So, the, so head monk leaves hermitage to claim inheritance. Mm. Um, so the back end of the clue, claim inheritance is sort of the solution yeah. in terms of the answer. Um, head monk, the M is the start of the word. So okay. head monk, head M, leaves. So take the M out of hermitage and you get heritage. heritage. And that's the answer. Head monk. So what it's saying is, that, so you look at the leaves part and that means, so leave obviously means take away take something away, from, yeah. yeah. And it's saying head monk. So the, the head of a table is the top. So the first letter, take that out of the next thing, which is hermitage, and that'll equal Inheritance or heritage, I guess, sort of ties into he- inheritance. But see, that I would have never got that. No, I would have never got that. Not a hope. Yeah, not a hope.
someone help us out. Like, surely there's a golden, like, I've just tried to give you a bit of golden advice, but surely there's a golden thing out there to just make it click in our head, Steph. Look, there must be. Do we do a daily cryptic crossword? Is that what we do no, on the show? God, do we no. Do, just a, no. <laughs> are you giving me no. the... Uh, no, God, please, no, no. <laughs> no, I feel like I've talked about cryptic crosswords. Your brain hurts. That last four minutes, that's enough for my whole life. Um, score update from the cricket. Sees seven overs down. India, 21 without loss. Chikadawan is on 15 off 24. And Shubman Gill is five off 18. Tim Southey, um, his figures just left. But uh, Matt Henry, good opening stint for him. Three overs, none for eight. And they're just struggling a little bit. I guess there's a little bit of moisture around. Um, but sort of dovetails into this text, which is great. Shout by Mikey, the local in Christchurch staff. Any reason why the with the forecast rain that cricket can't start earlier? The game in Napier the other day, if it started at lunch, it would have been finished. And today's game, if it started at 11, would have had two and a half hours under the belt. This is when he sent this in. Oh, a good wee while ago, actually. So if it started at 11, four hours, we would have had the first innings in. They'd be coming out for the second innings now. Um do broadcasting duties sometimes hamstring sports ability to pivot when needed? It's just a thought. They do, but that's where the revenue comes from. So you sort of have to stick to times. I don't think if it was a, I don't know, an unbroadcast game of cricket, a first 11 game or a Hawk Cup, for example, that's not broadcast uh, between Hawks Bay and Taranaki for the Hawk Cup. And they said, boys, um, Let's start at 10 because there's a weather bomb coming in at 6. Okay, okay. But this one, yeah, there isn't the flexibility, unfortunately. 25 without loss, 7.2 overs. Henry comes in, bowls, driven straight back down to a long off, fielded comfortably. Matt Henry's gone for dot for dot in this over. And in the other match, uh, they're getting the welcome to country um, at the moment. So they will probably have first ball... In about four minutes, I would imagine, three or four minutes, three or four minutes. We will take a break. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to bring you a replay of the chat uh, that the Breakfast Boys did with Sia Khaleesi, the wonderful captain, the leader, the talisman for the Springboks. Have a listen and ask yourself, is there a more inspirational captain in world rugby than Sia Khaleesi? Have a listen after the break. Sia, how are you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How are you? Ah, oh, mate. I'm very, very good. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're very busy. I know you've got a beautiful family that would have missed you, and no doubt you'll be doing daddy duties. But, mate, how's the body? How's the family? Things good? No, everything is good. The body is good. Um, obviously, I went off with a bit of a concussion, so I'm out mm. for 12 days. I'm actually going to the family tomorrow. I haven't seen the okay. kids for a month now, so I'm going back home to see them. See, so, yeah, how do you think? Mate. How do you think uh, it's Kempi here? How do you think uh, the South African team is tracking? Like it's been a really tough time for the All Blacks down here this year. Um, how do you think your team, the South Africans, are tracking towards next year's World Cup? It'd be good to get your um, view on that. It's funny how you say it's been a tough time for the Oblex while they've won almost every competition <laughs> they've played in. That's that's a good tough time to have. You know, that just shows how, like, the, ex- the expectation of, of, of the group, you know, and I think it's an amazing mm. group. And, um, yeah, um, I think for us, 
we've been yeah we've been learning um, a lot and i think we've been proving quite a lot i think this um this autumn series has helped us quite a lot and got us a lot of answers uh, we know where we need and i think a lot of players put their hands up so yeah we would yeah. have loved to win all four games but i think we got the answers that we needed Mate, what about this young kid? Like, you think you've just unveiled Cheslin Colby, and you're thinking, how do you stop that fella when he's running with the ball? And then Kurt Lee Ariense gets the ball, and he does what he does, mate. There is so much talent coming out of South Africa. The factory continues. Yeah. No, I, honestly, um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really good to see, and I'm grateful, like, guys like that are getting opportunities, and they're taking them, you know, they both come from the same environment, you know, and, you know, to have him, Cheslin, and, and Moody, and obviously Mampimpi out wide, it's really good to see yeah. Damien and Valencia, who's also, you know, oh, starting to play, you know, they're, they're exactly the way you want, you know, and he, he's able to express himself, and I think the way our game has evolved, especially um, the, the, the Autumn Series, has really been good for a lot of the players. Mate, what about, yeah, just about your involvement with South African rugby at the moment. I said yesterday, I said, South Africa, gone are the days of South Africa just rucking and rolling more and putting up a high ball. You're actually starting to play. And when I was playing, I was saying to a couple of lads, I said, the day that South Africa start using the ball with the threats they have wide, it is going to be a tough, tough day and a tough <laughs> team to, to spot. So you are you starting to see South Africa using the ball a lot more? Has that be, always been part of the plan? To be honest, it's always been part of the plan. We, I think, just as players, yeah. we just didn't um, like look for the opportunities. Now we're starting to do it, you know. We've always had the license, you know. But mm. we never want to go away from our strength with, obviously, the physical side of the game, the mauling and, and the scrums, you know. But other than that, you know, when we kick the ball, we kick to try and win it back and play in better places. But now, you know, the boys are seeing opportunities, even when we're now 22, you could see the guys were just going for it because the opportunity is there. Opportunity overrides everything in our, in, in our team. So that's been the biggest thing, the biggest change on more of a mindset side is that we can run from, from anywhere, but if it's open, we'll go for it. If it's not, maybe we'll take it later. You've, you've had a lot of changes coming through, forced from injury, maybe even, you know, a lot of opportunities, even with Valimsa coming in and taking over from Andre Pollard. Like, how have the players been able to react and, and adapt to the change? And, and have they really embraced it? Yeah, no, they've definitely embraced it. And the nice mm. thing is that all the guys that have come in, they've been in the system. We all train the same. Yeah. We all do the same kind of training. Even if you don't play... If you're holding bags or you're training as opposition, you know that the, the moves is available to everyone. So, And the biggest thing that we are chosen on is obviously being a warrior, not being scared on the field and, you, and, you, and your work ethic, you know, and just like your talent is probably the, one of the last things that they, they look at because they know everybody's got something that they could in them. But the structure, you know, when you train, when you're in the system, all these guys have been there and they know that we back them. We let them know as guys who've been yeah. in the system for quite a while that like a guy that's playing 10, like Mani Libok, we came in and I told he knows. When he speaks, I shut up. Whether you're the captain or the most kept guy, he's in charge, he's our 10, and that's how we work in the team. So they can feel that they nice. backed, you know, and they can be themselves. And we work hard for them so that they can do what they could at. I love that. I love that. Everyone's equal. Um, I talk about it lots because all the young guys, they have 
a way of seeing things and they have way they have something that they they believe they can say but they feel afraid to to say it so i really appreciate you sharing that little insight are you able to give us your best description on how, of how much rasi erasmus means to the springboks we hear so much externally but what's he like <laughs> what's he like for the group brother for his um your i mean him come a long way um like if yeah. my relationship with him is quite deep because I met him um, when I was in school. You know, I signed with the with the cheaters, and then you know I was young when I signed the contract. You know, so he got a lawyer, got me out of the contract. I went to Stormer, so he gave me my first opportunity. And he's yeah. always backed, and he, he always backs the players, and he wants the best of players. And the nice thing about him, he's played the game. So if you off form or you've been injured, you know. He knows what to say, what to say to you, and you also when you get a little bit arrogant, he lets you know because yeah. he tells you I've made these kind of mistakes, and he begs us, and he wants the best for us, you know. And our game, like in our country, it's not rugby; it's just it's not just the game. We don't play just to play; it means so much more. So he knows the yeah. kind of he says it's not pressure; it's it's privilege that what we have, that what we do on the field, what what, what we love, you know is able to change people's move is able to make people believe you know for me coming from the from the township you know the poor areas now those kids can dream that it's possible for them to be the uh, springboard captain because i've done it and it always encourages we must always never think about ourselves when we're playing we must think about those people you know how we can make them part and we can't cheat them or lie them and he's good with that he's good at player management and he just wants the best for us he believes if we have a fair opportunity you know the the rest of the world can see what we can do and deliver. And he's so good, especially if you have a bad game. He comes straight to you just before you look at your phone and you get the attack on social media. He catches you before the time. I took you off early because of this and that. And he explains all of this stuff so that you understand yeah. that that you don't sit there and wonder what's going on. You know, he's really been, been good with us with that. Oh, he's up front. I love you sharing that that honest insight of uh, Rasi Erasmus and what he's done for you. He's a very smart tactician. He'll he'll know exactly what he needs to do because that last performance against England. Just talk to us quickly about that. Like that was a statement, and you've got plenty plenty of people listening on our show that reckon you are heading in the right direction for the World Cup next year. You happy with that last performance, mate? Yeah, no, of course, we definitely are. I mean, it was a big win for, for most of us. It was the first time winning a Twickenham, you know. And 2014. people had a lot to say because we, we had lost, I think, nine players went there or there was five who played the week before that had to go back to their unions, you know. And um, and we know what we can do and we really trust every single guy in the team. And for some, for some, for some people, it could have been their last time playing because, no, next year it's a World Cup, so... Everybody had to stand up, and I thought the way that we pulled together as a group, you know, after the the two close losses um, against um, um, Ireland and, and and France, and then we obviously put a, a good performance against Italy, and we knew, you know, this meant so much not just for us, the people back at home, you know, as tough as the tour was, you know, the people didn't stop su- supporting us, sending us messages, you know, and it, it just reminded us of that what we're playing for. You know, and um, what a privilege it is, and we we had to deliver on the day. 
Hey, you are the man of the people, and I can understand why people follow you and, and the inspiration you are. See, uh, just quickly before we let you go, I know you're busy and, and you've got things to do. How much has life changed for Sia Khaleesi uh, in the last couple of years? You, I know you've gone back to your school and you've opened up the Khaleesi stand and you've given back to the community. Has life just changed drastically since 2019? Uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely has. I think since 2019, um, I, I think Co- Coach Rice spoke to us before we played the final against England. Like, he he spoke, um, like, the speech alone was was enough motivation. What he told us, like, what we were playing for, you know, he always takes us back to, to the people back at home, what they're going through. And like he yeah. said, like, for me, like he told us, if you play today like you can, and you win, it will change um, your life, not just your life, everybody else, whatever it is that you're playing for. And for me personally, you know, without my teammates, I wouldn't be where I am. And th- with the foundation yeah. that we have, we're able to to do all these kind of things. You know, we were able to touch people's lives during COVID. We were able to donate to people. And that's what rugby does. And I think the biggest thing for us rugby players to understand that Rugby is not your life. It, it's it's what you do, and it's it's you can use it as a vehicle, not just for you, but to inspire others and make a difference. And sometimes, you know, people think you have to take out of your pocket. You can use your own personal partners, you know, and you can it can help you, guide you to a purpose, and you can use it as a vehicle. And I think that's what I've found, you know, has helped me a lot. That I know what I. Me waking up every morning when I, when the body so when I don't want to get up, I know you know. Yeah. I must get up because there's a child getting a meal every day. There's a woman being saved because we provide uh, for, for gender-based violence um, like some tools to, to prevent, you know, for the woman. It's a big problem in our country. So there's so much that I face as a kid that I'm able to make a difference now. Only through doing what I love is opening all those doors for me. And I'm always encouraging rugby players to think far more than themselves and their families. What can they do? to make it different in someone or someone that they don't know and that drives me each and every single day. Man, that's, that is inspirational, Sia. Honestly, like back down here, we, we just got no real understanding of what's going on back in the country and you just touched on it there briefly. You're an inspiration to many uh, around the around South Africa and around the world, mate. We really appreciate you coming on our show and sharing your insights. People love hearing your voice. You are the captain of South Africa, and I am truly honoured and, and grateful for you to uh, be on the airways with Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thank you so much, Sia. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Cheers, guys. I'm on the station today, so well done to the breakfast crew for getting Sia Khaleesi, just absolute wonderful Wonderful leader. Um, Cancer Society, really important outfit in New Zealand. Uh, The Longest Day Golf Challenge, you've probably heard about this. It is on right now. Um, You can register at longestday.org.nz. That is longestday.org.nz. The question here is, would you rather be playing golf right now? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, if my shoulder would let me, I'd definitely get involved in this. Grab your mates, do it by yourself. Grab some work colleagues, whatever, and do four rounds in a day. And while you're doing that, you're raising money for the great charity that is the Cancer Society. You're on Afternoons with Staffy. Big thanks to Gull for joining us for four hours. Every afternoon, 12 to 4, gull.nz. Go and register yourself there. Find out where the locations are. 
the economical fuel is not very far away wherever you are. Gold.nz, they fuel your mission all year round. They probably fuel Johnny Mac as well as me, Captain K, and Sammy H as well. And Johnny Mac's here with new sport and weather. than a sticky mouse when you're trying to find some uh, information for you good folk out there. I just said to Sam, just as a as a general like um, question, the most runs scored in a test match by a number seven batsman. It's a great bit of trivia. Mm. Uh, Adam Gilchrist was third. <coughs> that was Captain K's guess. Great guess as well by Captain K. I had no idea. You told me the photo was black and white. Mm. Don no Bradman. Idea. Number couldn't seven. No, I couldn't believe it either. And I was pretty sure uh, Smithy had the world record for number eight, but that, it says Wasim Akram. So maybe Smithy was number nine when he got a truckload. Let me just double check. I, cricket and stats just go together, don't they? Oh, don't they just? That and baseball. Yeah. I know Dan Vittori, doesn't he have the most runs by a number nine batsman in history? Is that Daniel Vittori? Oh, potentially. There is a Kiwi that has the record for most runs in a certain position. Okay, so the number nine in an innings is Ian Smith, 173, which he got at uh, Eden Park. What a photo. I don't even think that. It's not Ian Smith in the photo. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, but Stuart Broad was second on 169. And I asked Smithy, did you know he got close? But it was an overnight match, and he woke up to a whole lot of text messages saying, oh, you've still got it, you've still got it. I'm sure that's not a photo of Ian Smith. Staff, if you hover over the photo, it says New Zealand's Daniel Vittori plays a shot. <laughs> it's Dan Vittori. Got, the no, photo. it's not even Is Dan it? Vittori, the photo I'm looking at. So I've got the photo wrong and the caption wrong. I can tell you that Dan Vittori is, is, uh, has the most test runs at number eight in test okay. history. And Trent Bolt has the most at number 11. Does he? Yeah. 640 runs. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That's not bad. Dan Vittori has about 2,500. Two Amazing. Um, I had a question for you, Steph, or more of a statement-y question type thing. Mm. Do you want to update the cricket first and then I'll tell you? Um, no, you go. Okay. Um, that's right out of the sweet spot there. I love when they go to hot spot and you see it right out of the middle of the middle that. Of that big just... white dot. Luke Ronke, the highest individual score by a number seven batsman in men's one-day international cricket oh, all time. Was it over, Was it 170-something? Stop there. 70, 170, 170 yeah, not yeah. out. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, I don't know if this annoys you, but I know it annoys a lot of people, Steph. We're coming to that time of year. Oh. Um, you hate it, Christmas. Oh, bowling! Adam Mills. See you later. Through. See you later, Warner. That is absolute. That's a peach, Steph. You watch this on the replay Chicken from uh, Seals. Seals, the West Indian bowler. Oh, that was a good delivery. Um, we're coming to that time of year. Here you go, Steph. Watch this. We're coming to that time of year where um, oh, he's cut it on. Not a great delivery at all. He's just cut it on. Okay. Looper outside off. Um, Christmas music starts to play in the malls, which I know you hate. Um, parking, traffic, everything just starts to build a little bit, right, as we edge towards Christmas. Mm-hmm. Put a Christmas tree. I, when was the last time you put a Christmas tree up, Steph? Mm, 
if this was an answer in the uh, question in the chase question, I'd have to go the 90s. Sure. Been a long time. Yeah. Uh, one thing that also happens around this time of year is people post on their social media what their Spotify listening uh, record is for the year. We're talking minutes. We're talking I who they I saw Spotify to. sent me a notification. It's called Spotify Rap. Correct. And I remember seeing it last year. I don't even know how to find out, mm-hmm. but... I'm quite interested to see mine, but not to publish it. I'm very interested to see to see yours, but yeah, a lot of people get sued. So how they've do done, you access it? Well, I'll show you, but something they've actually done this year is this app that's gone viral. I think it's called InstaFest, and you go on a website, you allow it to access your Spotify, and what it does is it takes all the artists that you listen to the most and it puts them in like a um, festival format. Right. So like your headline act and then your little sub-acts underneath and then your Saturday and then your Sunday. It's actually quite... Cool and quite niche. The only annoying thing is that every single person in the world is doing it. But anyway, no I, one will I, have a playlist I, like mine. I was just going to say, I'd be very interested to see what Mark Stafford has headlining on a Saturday afternoon at Mark Stafford Fest. So, Stafford. Could I do that now, Mark Stafford? Should we do it right now? Could Should I do, do it? it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it right now. So go. So on, tell me what I do. Yeah, yeah. So go on Instafest. Is that a? Is that an app? No, no. It's a. It's a website. Um, or is it going to come up straight away? I found it by clicking on a story. Right. So if you're on that digital trends link, that's probably the second link on your Google when you type in Instafest. Instafest. Instafest app. No, 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 but digital trends, does it come up? Maybe no. we should do this in the air break. We'll and do it in the air break. Okay, so yeah. we'll do it in the air break, and then we'll reveal Mark. It's going to be called the Mark Stafest. Can I make a prediction who my headline act is? Yep. Journey. Okay, that's a great that's a great opening act, Steph, that's, on a Friday night in my, Palmy. That's my long range. <laughs> what's, what's the location of the Steph is, by the way? Um Fitzhubert Park. Fitzhuber. Fitzhubert Park. <laughs> okay. Great location. I did enjoy that, Steph. So Fitzhubert Park, Friday night, Journey's gonna open. We'll find out who the, the sub acts are okay. after the break. Are you gonna come in the studio and yeah, walk well, me through this? Yeah. Oh th- this is must listen to radio. We'll be back after a break. We'll get to the Spotify circus. I'm just having trouble having to log out, log in, change the password, but we'll get there. Um, But we're going to have a look back. On this day, November 30th, I mentioned very start of the show, 1928, Don Bradman, 20 years old, made his test debut in Brisbane. He scored 18 and 1 in Australia's 675-run first test loss to England. He was dropped for the second test, but returned for the remainder of the series, and he scored 79-112 in Melbourne, 40-58 and in Adelaide, and 123-37 not out back in Melbourne. On this day in 1990, Boston Celtics forward Larry Bird scored his, two, uh, sorry, his 20,000th career point. Around a Paris screen. Could play. 1999, Manchester United captain Roy Keane scored the match winner as the Red Devils became the first British club to be crowned FIFA World Club champions after a 1-0 win over Palmeiras in Tokyo. Mark Bosnish was the goalkeeper. Birthdays today, uh, Ken Wadsworth, very sadly passed away at age 30. In 1976, New Zealand Test wicketkeeper, the long blonde head keeper. Uh, 62 years old today, Gary Lineker, former England striker. He would have enjoyed the match this morning. 60 years old today is Bo Jackson, the NFL and Major League Baseball player. Turning 52 today, Heath Davis, ex-black cap. Could have, would have, should have. Heath Davis. 
Um, Heath Davis, Nigel de Jong, um, born in 1984, Dutch footballer, took a boot to the chest in the 2010 World Cup final. On this day in 1988, the number one movie was The Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. And the number one song, Now I the time of my life Sammy. Sammy. MJ. What a tune. Come on, Seth. I'm trying to change the passes. What are we going to do? We're going to take each other's hands, Steph. Get to the opposite end of the studio, Sammy. Throw yourself at me. (laughs) I'm running, Steph. Catch me. Catch me, Steph. Just remember. Now, who sings this? Uh, Jennifer Warnes. That's it. Bill Medley. Bill Medley? Yeah. Here we go. Big finish. That's there right, making music right there, Mark. That is music. That is music. Does Chris Martin still have the record for the most ducks? Potentially. It's a great man, Chris Martin. Saw I think him he is, on, yeah. I saw him on Friday. Do you remember that? Um, was he there? No, no, no. He's got the four square in Eastbourne. Oh, yeah. Um, you, was there a video? I was at Pulp Sport where they did like how to bat like Chris Martin. They did like an instructional video. <laughs> and the one, the bit I always remember, and this was like 15 years ago or 20 years ago, the bit I always remember was how to tie your shoelaces. And they like panned down to his shoes and like all of his laces are like tied to one another and like all, you know, intertwined so he couldn't move his feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. Uh, right, have you, got, have you made your way into Spotify, Steph? I'm making my way now. I've got a new password. Right, but, while but, you're doing that, should we read you out our ones? Go on. Captain K, you uh, you did yours. Who's uh, who's headlining for Captain K? Oh, look, I'm, uh, I'm very disappointed. I, I like to say I have a good taste in music, but apparently they've given me an 82 basic score, which means I'm very basic. I've got Drake, Tame Impala, and Michael Jackson headlining my that, three nights. Three powerful acts, though. Yeah. Gee, I'll tell you what, you'll sell out your festival <laughs> with Drake. Good uh, surprise backup on Friday of Daryl Hall and John Oates oh. on a Friday night. Yeah, funny no enough, idea. my Friday no lead actors afternoons with Staffy, so uh, we're taking the show on there. It's not, but uh, they must filter out podcasts because yes. that's pretty much all I listen to. Staff, uh, the Sam Hewitt Fest, mm-hmm. which uh, weirdly enough starts on a Wednesday, uh, is headlighted by Florida Georgia Line, my favourite country band, and it's just a day of country, really. Jake Owen, Zach Brown, Kenny Chesney, Hans Zimmer. If you want a bit of film in there as well, he'll make his way on November uh, the 30th. And then uh, Thursday, Friday, your, your two opening gaps. Nova, a more bit of an indie band. And, <laughs> of course, Tom Mish. 
on a Friday. Opening for you on a Friday afternoon. How good. Funnily enough, Anika Mower is in there. Wow. Yeah, because she does a lot of uh, kids' songs. (laughs) Songs for bubbers. Right, I think I've got it. All right. This is what people have been waiting for, Steph. It's time. I'm having the time of my life. I just go agree. Yep. Oh. Oh. Save it. What? Save it. I'll do it after the break. Nah, nah. Do it now. You want me to do it now? What do you want to do after the break? I just like with the music underneath. I think it, full, I think it works. Basic got score. 20 seconds. What's the score? It's like, I think, how basic you are. What did you guys get? I think I got 61. Kez got 80-something. 80 82. 82. What did you get? 55. Oh, there you go. So you're the least basic of the lot. Um, okay. Headlining my act. Okay. 07. You've probably never heard of them. 707? Zero 07. Oh, zero the, the seven. word zero and the number seven. I haven't heard of them. Uh, followed by Bruno Mars. Yeah, that is a favourite of yours. Is this, sorry, following as in on the same day? Or are you saying your three lead acts? I've just got Wednesday, November 30. Is there more than one day? Show me. Turn your phone. Show me your phone. <laughs> He's only got it's a one day concert for I've Steph. I've got a one day festival. You only got one day. So you I've must got, not listen to a lot on Spotify. So headlining zero seven. Then I've got Bruno Mars and Journey. Yeah. Uh, followed by the Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. Tom Mish. Yeah. Big Country. Yeah. Nice. Cora. The XX. Good. In excess. Mm. Someone I've never heard of. Dave Winnell. Nope. Never heard of him. And Jazz Peterson. Local local singer. So you're you're just a one. You're a big day out. You're a big day out as opposed to the three day, which is uh, there's a solid lineup for you. This and is presented by Instafest. Oh, they, I was thinking it was staff in the middle. I don't even named it, but yeah, yeah. No. And uh, just like, uh, Leanne from Palmerston North, who said uh, singing not our best talent, stick to our day jobs. No, I won't take that personally, but it's I think harsh. it's accurate. It's harsh. It's hard. It's I very, thought we did a good job of that. Particularly with me, I thought we did a good job of that. Really, me. just we just didn't do the dirty dancing. We didn't. We didn't. Thank goodness. We need a break out of here. Um, I need to listen to different people. But listen to 07, Sam, because I'll tell you why 07 came is at the top. I remember now. I always liked 07. Not massive, but I did quite like them as a sort of a cruisy summer type of tune. And then I heard a podcast that oh, a guy in the UK in lockdown just said all the stars are just at home isolating. And he did a podcast with Sia. You know Sia? She was the lead singer of Zero Seven, and I never knew. So there you go, Zero Seven. Bit of see ya. See you. See you later. See you after the break. The Dunes with Staffy on SENZ. I like this. Uh, this is good from Rory. He says no one would go to the White Snake concert with me, so here I go again on my own. <laughs> Rory, you're such good value at two minutes to four. Um, Cryptic crossword's been floated as an idea for a daily segment. I'd, I'd just, it'd age me, Craig. It would age me. Uh, quite a while ago, Ken uh, invited Graham up to go to um, watch Auckland. Staff from Graham, Tanny Far fan, can you tell Ken I accept his offer to come up and watch the final? If it's up there again, we'll gladly take him and his wife out for a meal and drink before the game. Let's hope the stars line up for that. But I'm pretty sure the final will be down this way. Cheers, Graham of Marlborough. So, Ken, maybe you'd go down to Christchurch and you'd take Graham and his wife out for dinner and drinks. This this could be a beautiful rugby romance. Without romance, but, you know, rugby kinship. 
It'd be fantastic. I'm going to give you a quick update from the cricket. Uh, at the moment, India are 74 for two. Run rate of 4.3. Lockie Ferguson into his third over. Currently has none for nine off two overs. Just bowled a wide, though, Lockie. Fresh fade on Lockie as well. Shikha Darwan uh, was bowled by Milne for 28. Uh, Shubman Gill is caught Santana bowled Milne for 13. At the crease at the moment is uh, Aya on 24. Uh, Rizbar Punt is on 4. And over in Australia, um, we find Davey Warner has been dismissed. Oh, I need the scorecard. How long have I got enough time to tell you this? Davey Warner is out for... Four, five of 16 balls. Usman Kawaja is on eight. Uh, Manus Labashagni is on eight. Australia 26 for one after eight overs. Day one of the first test, Australia West Indies. Run home is next.